now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning, good morning, happy Thursday, Friday part one. We are getting there. Why do we get so excited about the weekends? I don't know, because to me, the weekends are just as much work. <laughs> Sometimes it might be a slightly different routine, but uh, we still got lots to do on the weekends. Family events, family time, catching up and paperwork. You know the drill. Um... But I guess if you work a nine to five, Monday to Friday, at least you don't have that to do over the weekends. I do feel like that's where people get super, super excited. Good morning, Virtuous. Good morning, Ervalyn. I'm waiting on my guests and I'm wondering if I forgot to change the link for them. Hold on one second here. Let me just jump on this real quick. Yep, I sure did. There we go. I'll tell them to try now. Okay. Um, Sometimes that happens in my head when I've had kind of back-to-back shows. And uh, we had a show last night, of course, and I would have scheduled this one probably right after completing that show. And sometimes my brain is like, yes, you did send the link, but of course it was for the previous show. So Irvlin, good morning. Virtuous says all the people who are living with MS and us who are dealing with some pain, sickness, et cetera, keep the faith. Yes, we're going to have guests coming on about 8.15 or so to discuss that. Morning, Diamond Princess. Little Irish jig for you. Oh, okay. You like my kiss? Look at my kiss. Oh, is it St. Patty's Day? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said on (laughs) X. Nice. Yes, it is St. Patty's Day. Wow. And, and my last name, is, my maiden name is actually Brady, and I forgot this. Oh, I like the temporary tattoos. It, oh, it's not Your temporary. Your last name is Brady, and you forgot? My, yeah, my, ma- my, my maiden name. Oh, it's not temporary. Is was what was McBrady when they came through Ellis Island, and they dropped it, and we were just Brady. Mm-hmm. Huh, okay. So uh, you think we could do the headlines this morning with the uh, Irish jig? Um... <laughs> Can you do an Irish jig? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, we're not actually live yet. Awesome. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what's on my calendar for today. Sure. So, um, my calendar tells me all the monthly stuff. I need to know the daily stuff as well. Oh, I'll give you the daily stuff. Yeah, this month there's a lot of stuff from National Bed Month. <laughs> In case you didn't know, it's St. Patrick's Day. We'll start there. Yeah. 
Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. Oh, that's an interesting one. National Corned Beef and Cabbage Day. Really? Mm-hmm. I need to get a hold of your calendar. You need to share your link with me because those are way more fun events. A couple of random uh, ones. Evacuation Day in Massachusetts. I have no idea what that's about. What's and Sorry. National. National what? Evacuation Day in Massachusetts. National Evacuation Day. No like idea. everyone wants to leave Massachusetts? I have no idea. I guess I could click on it and find out, but uh, National Close the Gap Day. Yeah. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. <laughs> Campaign encourages planning of events that focus on health issues of Australia's indigenous people. Huh. And just for kicks, well, we can find out if I click on it. Can they call it? Wait, hold <clears> on. <throat> they can just like call it Aborigine Day or something? Could be. Evacuation Day in Massachusetts is observed every year on March 17th. I think they just. It's a public holiday. I think it's because it's St. Patty's Day. Everybody's drinking. Uh, so when, when British troops evacuated Boston during the American Revolutionary War. Oh, there you go. All right. All right, stand by. Here we go. Uh -huh. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. Morning, morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Where thank is your you. green? Yes, thank you Why so much. Why am I the only one wearing green today? I told you. Uh, I, have, I have green underwears on. Uh, I see. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to lie. Totally forgot. <laughs> okay. You know, you it, is, it is I what thought, it is. I thought you were part Irish, Sandy. Um, Probably not, but who knows? All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Soon we're all just a melting pot of every that, culture. That is right. Yeah. It's, just, it's so yeah. weird, though, because some people want to claim the most obscure part of their culture. Like, yeah. You know, yes, I'm Irish. And you look at them, you go, mm. Listen, my family lived off being, like, our, our family store in, first off, last name, maiden name, Brady. Mm. Uh, our family store is called Brady's, where it's the home of the Irish. Mm -hmm. And my grandpa was a little cartoon, voiced a little cartoon leprechaun. Where he said, come and did a really terrible Irish accent. Were you Mick Brady? Back in the day. Mick Brady. When when <clears throat> King Brady came over from Ireland hmm. long time ago. I'm more I'm I'm more Danish. Like because my my mom was Christensen and all that. So that was like right, that was closer times. I see. Immigrating closer times. But in fact, we're American in a melting pot of uh, cultures because everyone emigrated over there. Yeah, and anybody who eats Lucky Charms, obviously, is... Uh, oh, my God. I love Lucky Charms. Celebrating. It's automatically Irish. Celebrating the Irish. What are you? Are you, are you a little Irish? They're magically delicious. Are you a little Irish? I awesome. am. Just kidding. Some people say all this. Do you have any Irish in you? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. Do you want some? Okay. Are you a little? Uh, I don't believe where I'm does, Irish, no. Where does the Rogers name... Rogers is uh, English. Oh, okay. And um, some Italian, some German. All right, I can I, I I can see the German. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> All right. Anyway, fun times. Yeah. There's our uh, genealogy for y'all. But uh, yeah, any well, holiday where you can drink, we're gonna celebrate. All right. All right. Um, federal interest rates just went up. Okay. First time since 2018, and that means that they're going up in the Cayman Islands as well. Hmm. So Cayman National Bank was the first bank to issue their notice. Um, I think CNB always has their graphic designer just on standby. And as soon as they need a notice, they're the first to do it. So all banks will follow 
suit. I find that historically the other banks always do it like the day of. They make the announcement. And they're like, oh, yeah, today it's happening. CNB gives you two days. So on the 18th, they've already advised that the interest rate is going up. Um, I think it's a quarter percent or whatever. But, yes, it's going to go up six more times. According to the uh, Federal Reserve, they're trying to get this inflation situation under control. Yep. And um, they've essentially said that this is going to be the most aggressive pace in more than 15 years of increasing the the um, interest rate. And they're going to do it um, because, believe it or not, they've not raised it since 2018. But the real problem is inflation is at a 40-year high. So they're trying to do something about it. A lot of us don't really understand how all this works and how inflation uh, forces people, how increasing the interest rate um, really helps with inflation, but there's a good mm-hmm. logical explanation for it. Um, so we're going to try to educate people on that a little bit later on. Uh, <clears throat> so unfortunately, mortgages are going to go up if you don't have a fixed rate mortgage. Mm. Yeah. Um, coronavirus, according to Epidemiological Week, there's been two additional COVID-19 deaths. But more interestingly, across the world, there appears to be um, a surge again. So I know everybody was getting all excited. People actually were saying, oh, COVID has disappeared. Well, no, it never disappeared. (laughs) So, um, you know, people are still continuing to send me links about, oh, look, this airline no longer requires it, or this country no longer requires mask wearing, for example. And uh, they might have been a little bit premature and jumping the gun because quite honestly, vaccinations and masks remain your best line of defense. And uh, numbers are rising across the world. We see China actually having its worst outbreak since the start of the pandemic, which is kind of interesting. And they've got multiple cities locked down, millions of people now locked down again. And uh, Europe is also seeing a bit of a wave and increase. So the U.S. is starting to brace itself for another potential wave of the Omicron variant. Well, so... you get get vaccinated. Yeah, Cayman, Cayman is. I tissues. Yeah, Cayman is is still holding steady. We've got a total of twenty three deaths, which I think isn't too bad. You know, the three year old um, that a lot of people were very very concerned about. I understand yeah. that um, the efforts continue, but that she has made some improvements. So on Premier Access last That's night, good. the Premier did mention that she was taken off the ventilator. So I didn't even know she was on a ventilator no. for a little bit. Oh thing. wow. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. So she has um, she has stabilized a bit, and um, the other interesting thing because there are a lot of questions on social media about you know yeah people are obviously it's a three year old we're gonna give we're gonna help but why that's what insurance is for so why didn't she or her parents have health insurance so what we've discovered is she's actually a visiting child so this mm. is why you know sometimes when the government says if you're even visiting you need to have insurance that's going to cover COVID related, um, situations. So how did, how did they come and visit without travel insurance? My parents had to get it when they came to visit. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's one of those situations where just the child might've been here for like a spring break visit and maybe the parent works here. I don't, I don't really know. And in that situation, they wouldn't have been on the, on the insurance plan for the parent Hmm. because they technically live overseas. So I don't have all the details, but the premier did mention that last night. Oh yeah, and we don't know. So where it adds a little bit of a of a better explanation, I think, to the situation. So the RCIPS has been busy promoting um, employees. So 
AC Darren McLean is on his final leg to become the first Caymanian pilot. Uh, this is a bit of good news because he has, um, you know, been working very, very hard. Uh, even before joining the RCIPS, he went and trained to uh, be a pilot uh, for um, helicopters. And then mm. there was a little bit of, awesome. you know, issues with him getting a foot in the door and kind of moving up the ranks, but he's getting there. So they have announced that he is moving steadily um, to achieving what they're saying is um, going to be a significant milestone for the Cayman Islands. And he spent the holidays um, with friends and family, but he is actually training. He's gone back to Trinidad and Tobago in April, where he's going to continue training and during the final part of uh, his air operations unit training there. So he's been on the secondment pilot training program and, um, you know, since 2019. So congratulations to uh, Mr. McLean. Fantastic. That's awesome. ever closer. They had in Idaho Falls, they had a little helicopter. You could learn how to fly helicopters. I took one look at that little thing and I was like, nope. That's the one with like the two blades? Yeah, it's like tiny. It's like all like plexiglass, it (laughs) looks like. like, Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so that's something for all Caymanians to be proud about. Pension holidays. for him, yeah, for sure. Folks, you're going to get one more jab at the pension holiday. So the government has agreed to a final extension to June of 2022. So remember, this is the COVID pension holiday um, where you don't have to contribute to pension. You certainly can if you want, but it's now been a significant extension since um, 2020. And um, this is it. So start prepare if you're a business owner, get all your you know affairs in order and make sure that you're gonna be ready as of um, July to start contributing to pensions again. So the deadline, for this extension is June the 30th of 2022. Again, my birthday. All right. <laughs> Just going to remind you. Playing a little Irish music for St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Do a little Again. Irish jig. One final RCIPS update. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. I thought that was the answer. Are you trying sorry, to play her out? No, no. Well, I'm, I'm trying to I thought that was the kicker there. I'm sorry. Like, Go no, ahead. No, no. It's like the Oscars. We're not, we're like, we're not done there, Blake. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of news. Um, Former police sergeant Neil Mohammed, who served as a training officer and deputy head of the RCIPS's Air Operations Unit since March of 2010, has been promoted to the rank of police inspector, and he also is going to be heading up the Air Operations Unit. Um, So, bit of a promotion. Congratulations. Working with Darren, then? Sorry? Working with Darren, the the helicopter Yeah, yeah, eventually. Absolutely. That's awesome. And uh, the, the government's oh. <laughs> sorry the government's free meal program has now been extended to include high schools. So as of uh, March the twenty first, um, all high school students will be getting um, snacks, two drinks a day, uh, breakfast, lunch, like the whole the whole shebang. They're getting all okay. their meals covered. Um, and remember, this program started last year, last September, mm-hmm. and it included just primary schools and the lighthouse school at the time. Now it's been extended to include um, all of the um, high schools as well. So a lot of parents are super excited about this, but you've got to make sure that you're properly registered. If you have any questions, email schoolmeals.gov.k. This just for anyone that goes to the government schools or like you have to qualify for it? Nope, everybody. Wow. I love snacks. Yeah, and you can register online and... And parents have an online system so they can see what their kids are eating, making sure they're trying to be nutritious and healthy. Mm, nice. Yeah. Very cool. 
How about some Irish music? Anyway. that we're replicon will go and complain to Facebook and get us blocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. We got a little leprechaun that's always doing that from some Indian country. Every single night that we do the news, they actually um go and complain that our intro music is a problem for them. I'm like, really? Um and it's it's just that little ding ding like it's a little, you know, intro for um like the news segment it's so weird like i don't know why they keep doing it i need to see if they did it last night because they literally do it every single night and then we um object to it and then they release it i'm like why do you it's like the same intro <laughs> so why do you do it every night and every night we um you know submit a dispute and then you release it what's the point so um i'm keeping an eye on it because if they keep doing it i'm going to start doing it to them until they they stop because it's, it's just ridiculous it's like one of those you know it's an opener liner that you actually buy you can purchase these clips right of like music beds and whatever and we purchased it and still every single day but what ends up happening is because they do that um it means that a lot of people can't see our i'm just checking to see if they did it again you can't actually see our news um you can't actually see, like it disappears from our actual um, feed until the dispute is settled. So that's like, if you don't catch it live, then they hit us with the dispute. See, here we go again. They blocked your video because it may contain content that they own, but they don't own it. So here's what we're going to do. They did it again. So we are this time going to start blocking their video. It's going to be a real simple tit for tat situation here because I think that whoever these people are in India, maybe they don't like Misha. Maybe they're upset that Misha's doing our news. So it says the following actions reply to your video by RT, um, whoever these people are, because they may, it may, it may contain 10 seconds of content that they own. And your video has been made available by the owner and it's applied worldwide, right? From two seconds to 12 seconds. So 10 seconds of a video. And uh, now we have to go and um, say that we submit a dispute and so on. So what I'm going to start doing is we always put fair news, uh, fair use. And it's, you know what? They obviously... Um, do not, like Facebook, this is all uh, artificial intelligence doing this. So Facebook has no clue. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go to their page. I'm sorry for them, but I'm going to play a little bit of tit for tat. They're, they claim that they are a broadcasting and media production company um, out of Bangladesh, 24-7. They have... 12 million people who've liked their Facebook page and they have time to be watching CMR. So I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try emailing them first and be nice about it and say, can you please stop blocking our Facebook news segments in the Cayman Islands? 
You got 50 million people, leave, it, leave us alone. Okay, we have paid for, I'm gonna be nice in this first email. Dear sirs slash madam, because maybe it's a woman running things in India, I don't know. So we paid for that intro bed in our nightly news and you are preventing the poor people of the Cayman Islands of our small country and their on their little like oh we're such a small country just leave us alone uh from watching local and regional news and this has been ongoing for a while and the weird thing is like i said every time we dispute it they release it so why do you keep doing it All right, so we're going to um, send the request. We're gonna be nice. And then if they do not respond, or I don't know if they speak English, but whatever they come back with, um, we're gonna start doing it to them. We're gonna start like literally every single day, we will complain about one of their videos that gets 12,000 views or whatever. And then they'll see what it feels like and uh, why it's just so not cool. So I'm gonna send them um, a sample of the video. So give me one second here. See, it's this little bit here. That's the bit that they seem to have an issue with. Now, come on, y'all know that they did not create that in India. I'm sorry, but really? Maybe they put some kind of artificial intelligence thing on it. Like I can't imagine that a person is sitting down in Bangladesh listening to her news and doing this every single night. So we did try to send them a message on Facebook and evidently they don't read their Facebook messages. So we just email them. They have a website as well. Yeah, so they do news, but it's like, come on, that's like a... You know, we've customized the intro video and I think her designer used that intro bed, but it's just like, come on. What do we have to use? Steel pans in order for it to like be okay? We have to have someone do a custom steel pans version of that? Um, it's just crazy. All right, so we've sent them a request. They have over 15 million people that follow their page, over 12 million people that like it. It's a Bangladesh TV channel established in 2005. So we'll see. Let's see if we can get to the bottom of this, folks. They've got Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. They're all over the place. And uh, here they are every day trying to block our little news segment. So, okay, so speaking of news, let's check in. Good morning, everyone. Let's check in with um, the weather update for today. See what we've got in store for weather. And uh, Kevin will bring us the weather update. 
Good morning, K-Man. I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. The sun will be up around 6.30. Expect sunny skies with winds east 10 to 15 miles per hour. The day's going to heat up to the upper 80s, but again, it's going to feel like the 90s. The sun goes down right around 6.35 this evening. It won't cool down too much overnight. Temperatures will fall to the upper 70s. Mostly clear skies overnight with a full moon that you'll be able to see from around 6.15 this evening. Here are the tide changes for today. Awesome beach and boating conditions straight into the weekend. The CMR weather update is brought to you by WG Charters. So check them out if you would like to get out in the water for a private sunset or boat charter. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, uh, Kevin, for the news update. Um, oh, my sinuses are irritated today. Is there anything going on with pollen or anything outside? I have no idea. I just wake up and it's a little bit crazy. All right. So good morning to everyone. Uh, Richard is here. Good morning, sunshine. Thank you. Jamila says, um, but the kids don't eat it because my son complains about the food quality. Oh my gosh, what's going on with the food quality? Is it is it that we have raised kids that have a very um like their palate is maybe a little bit too rigid? In other words, you got picky eaters on your hands. When you say the food quality, I need to understand what you mean by that because I'll tell you the truth, I don't know if it's the same people who were cooking before, but I did go by and um, I had a meal. This is a couple of years ago. Do you guys remember when I went by and I had a meal at, at the, was it John Gray? They allowed me on campus and I went in the kitchen and they gave me a little tour. And I had a meal. And I can't remember what I ate now. Oh, God, we did a video about it. We should go look it up. Anyway, I had something. I can't remember what it was. And it wasn't bad. But, folks, it's school lunch. Like, I don't expect a school lunch to be like Casanova's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not really um, expecting that caliber of food. And on top of it, a, a lot of Caribbean people love to eat um, with a little bit extra sauce. Some of y'all walk around with hot sauce in your handbags and in your back pockets, and you're teaching your children to uh, want to eat hot sauce all the time and lots of salt and lots of seasoning. And so you'd be surprised uh, how you are developing your children's palate. And so I have to wonder um, if, you know, you're not doing that uh, with your kids. I'm just, I'm just throwing out an alternative position, Jamila. So when he says that the food has got food quality issues, I really need to understand what that means. Does that mean that he doesn't like the way that it's prepared? And then I hear some parents complaining about the quantity of food. And I see your kids and y'all kids are overweight. Some of the kids are getting a little chunky now. The school clothes are, are getting, you know, so they're getting tight. And we need to be prepared to also teach our kids a little something about um, portion control. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just saying that these are all <laughs> very, uh, very possible things that we should uh, consider. And nobody likes to hear that our kids are little piglets, but some of them actually are. And then they're also growing, so I get it. You know, um, Gianna's appetite has all of a sudden increased recently. I have noticed this, believe it or not. And so what she used to eat before, because she was not a very big e eater, all of a sudden, she seems to be capable of eating uh, way more food. But, you know, I augment that with, um, I'm not going to give you more, like if we're having like pasta, whatever. The answer isn't to give you more pasta. The answer is to give you other things that are going to fill you up that are actually healthier than the main course or whatever we may be having. So, oh, you're hungry? How about some more vegetables? And you know what's amazing? When you say something like that, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm not hungry again. Never mind. And I'm just like, but two seconds ago, you said you were starving. And now you're not hungry again. Uh, how can that be? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think there are some, <laughs> some things that we need to, to really consider when it comes to our children. I started doing, she goes to private school, but I started um, doing food lunches because every morning trying to get up or the night before and figure out what she was going to eat. And it was like a lot. Like I can't wait until school uniforms are a thing. So in the morning, there's like no debate about what you're putting on because every morning, mm -hmm, I want to wear shorts. I want to wear this. I'm like, ugh. I'm like, okay, you've been wearing shorts all week. Can we put on some pants? Can we do this? Can we wear a dress? I am just looking forward to, you know what? You got five outfits this week. <laughs> this is the order of the outfits. They all pretty much look the same. Some days you might have an option with shorts. The other days you're going to wear a dress with the pants or shorts underneath and just pick it because they all look the same. It's no, oh, I'm trying to call coordinate colors and you know, I'm trying to give her some independence so she can pick out her own outfits. But every day it's like a rainbow of colors because trust me, uh, she thinks she's a fashionista and she might be. Maybe I'm the one who's just not seeing the brilliance of the outfit choices. But today the color coordination was all over the place. She had on like yoga pants that were all these different colors. And then a rainbow dress that was like totally different color. I'm like, you know what? Just go with it. At five, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, it looks fine. Um, but I was saying about her lunch options. So the school switched to a program um, where they will, you know, because before everybody had to pack a lunch. So they switched to a program where you can order. And I love it because I go through for the entire month and I put together her lunch options online. And so she was... Uh, you know, I'm trying to get her to eat more vegetables. I think every parent struggles with this. And so um, she has a friend who's vegan at school. So every day she's like, oh, if I eat chicken, can I still be vegan? I'm like, no, honey child, that's not the definition of vegan. Unless it's vegan chicken. I mean, you know, and I said, but no, that's not vegan. And so because her friend is always talking about vegan food, of course, she wants to think she's vegan as well, right? So I've been trying to sneak in with the menu options um, a lot more variety. So some days I do do a completely non-meat option. 
So if they have like chickpea and rice or whatever, I'll let her eat chickpea. And I just order it. I don't say anything to her about it. I don't make it a big deal. And what I've noticed quite interestingly enough, because she has this vegan friend and she is kind of surrounded by some other kids whose parents are also including like healthier options, it is easier to get her to eat healthier. This is where peer pressure can be like a good thing because, you know, you surround your kids with the habits that you want them to pick up, some good habits. And then, um, you know, they start to pick those habits up. So I don't hear any complaints about lunch anymore. So that's good. But I also don't really entertain a lot of complaints about certain things. It's like swimming. Oh, God. Swimming has been, she's taken a little bit of a hiatus because, you know, she was congested one week. The next week she like had hit her nose. And so she had a little scratch under her nose. I knew that was going to be another complaint with putting on the goggles and whatever. So she's been off for a couple of weeks now. Um, you know, real legit reasons. But I was speaking to the swim coach yesterday and she's like, mm, are you sure that Gianna wants to continue swimming? Because maybe she's at that point now where she was doing really well, but, you know, she wants to stop. And I know that she gets very cold when she goes for swimming lessons because she has zero body fat. She is so petite and so slim that she gets in the pool and within 10 minutes. She is shivering. Her lips are turning blue and she's really, really cold. So I know that that is something that makes her uncomfortable when she gets in the pool. It's not a heated pool. We don't have, you know, we don't even have a pool. We're borrowing a friend's pool. So um, so I've ordered her some full length uh, swimming gear, like long sleeve, long pants, no more like little swimsuits. And uh, she hasn't worn them yet. But the next time we go for swimming lessons, she's going to have to put one of those on. So I said to the swimming coach, She's like, oh, maybe Gianna doesn't want to do it. I said, you know what? In life, we don't always get to choose, I tell you're an adult, um, everything that you want to do. So this is one of those things that as a kid, uh, she is going to have to do whether she wants to do it or not. That's Those are the rules. Like sometimes in this household, we're going to tell you, um, you might have an option. Like she's going to learn to play a musical instrument. Now, she'll get the option, maybe, of which instrument she wants to play, but she's going to learn to play a musical instrument. And that's just it. There's no debating that. You're going to go to university. I think sometimes as kids, um, we kind of grew up with we, the tail wagging the dog. So we told our parents what we want to do, and they just went along with it. I didn't grow up in that kind of a household. Um, I think my aunt Lottie was super, super strict. I don't intend to be that strict with my daughter, but I do think that limitations, rules, boundaries are very, very important when you raise children. And so, yes, there are certain things in life that she will have to do. She might not like it at the time, but she will thank me later. <laughs> Trust me. So I'd be interested to know what the issue is really with the food, uh, Jamila. So congratulations to Darren. Absolutely. Good morning, Jackie. Happy birthday. Hold on. It's your birthday today. Let's get the birthday song going. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Send us a pic. We'll stick you up in our birthday part of CMR. So, um... So KK is saying that maybe they need to change who they're using for the school meals. 
So they've been there, um, Jamila says, since she left high school, which was 13 years ago. I'm guessing that government is going with a contract, folks, that makes financial sense, first and foremost, um, and that, um, you know, it's, it is a business. So say, for example, I can cook, but can I cook for thousands of kids across how many government schools? Probably not. Because you got to understand how to buy your ingredients, how to do portion sizes, how to do, you know, manage your staff, uh, manage the snacks. You know, there's there's quite a bit that's involved in running uh, any kind of food business. But this type of business, I imagine, has some very, very interesting logistics. Doesn't mean that somebody else can't do it. Don't get me wrong. And maybe it's time. I don't know how often they put it out for bid. Maybe it is time for put it out for bid again. But what I find happening a lot of times is that people who want to bid on it end up making a muck of the situation and don't necessarily do a really good job. And I imagine that a lot of you would probably prefer Caribbean cooks to be in there. So every day your children having curry chicken and Cayman style beef and all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm not saying that some days that's not okay with the menu, but other days you want to have some healthier options. Now, having said that, you know, I did go on Friday to um, the government building and I went in the kitchen because remember Friday was culture day. So I had on my little Cayman hat and a little handbag. And uh, I went in there because they were going to have some things on the menu for culture day. So they had Cayman style beef and something else. What else did they have? I expected to, to see more though on the menu, like Kunk. <laughs> That's culture day. <laughs> you know, um, even a little bit of turtle. But even when I saw the beef, they had beef and something else. I was kind of like, mm, I don't know who cooked this, but this not Cayman in. This not really Cayman style beef. It was beef, but it was like, I feel like a little shredded beef or something that they were trying to do. And then they wanted to call it Cayman style beef. I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I can see where Caymanians who grew up cook in a particular way and have a particular palate. Cause I think it's the same company that, that supplies, uh, they run the canteen and the government building as well. So when I had a glimpse at their version of Cayman style beef, right away, I could tell that mm, I wouldn't be eating that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that I came style beef still. I mean, it's beef, but it ain't Cayman style beef. So who else could put in a bid to do the food? Uh, maybe Miss Elrita. She's up in age now, though. I don't know if she can handle it. Miss Elrita cooks every day, but I don't know if she can do for thousands of kids. Like I said, that volume cooking is a really, really different situation. So good morning, Corrine. I haven't seen you in a minute. Robert is here. Louisa, Miss Sue. Um... So Jamila says, everything remains the same. They still remain. I mean, I never liked it myself. So imagine the kids now. Uh, Aliano says, maybe those people who keep blocking her content are being malicious. I don't know. Maybe it's even automated. Like, I don't really know. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions that some random person in Bangladesh has an issue with us and they're jealous of CMR. I seriously doubt that. They have no clue who we are. 
Uh, it could just be like an artificial intelligence thing. So Jamila says she's going to have her son call and explain it to me. Yes, have him call. I guess he's in school already. But have him call one day and uh, explain it. <laughs> Jerry Ann says, I wouldn't say picky eaters. They just know good food. Ooh, honey child. Mm-mm-mm. Can I tell y'all something? They know Caribbean food. That's what that is. And to you, that's good food. And I'm not saying it doesn't taste good. But let's be honest, most of our cooking is the most unhealthy food in the world. Really? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't even let me look at a typical Caymanian plate for dinner. No vegetables. One little piece of carrot you throw in there. You're like, oh, yeah, I got vegetables in my curry chicken. You have way too much rice. You've added salt and coconut milk and this and that, rice and beans. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of opportunity for them to eat that kind of stuff at home, I would think. I find children, again, you know, I had some, uh, I stopped at an Italian restaurant the other day because I went to pick up something from a customer. I was like, yeah, while I'm here, let me get some, some something to take home for dinner. So I got some pasta and I got a lasagna. My daughter's like, uh, at first she's like, oh yeah, I'll try lasagna. She's like, oh, I don't like that. I'm like, why? Why don't you like lasagna? I've cooked lasagna before. But I know when I cook lasagna, it's it. there's no healthy version of that that I'm cooking. Child, I'd be so good and well-seasoned and mm, mm, mm. extra cheese. And you see, it's really easy for your palate to get used to that sort of thing. So Scott says that school lunches are supposed to be borderline awful. It's a requirement. <laughs> like prison food. It's not supposed to taste good. Oh, Scott, I don't know. The ugly truth says entitlement mentality will not help us. First, we taxpayers provide free food. Now we have to provide five-star chefs. Morning, Nikki. Yeah, I do think it's a combination of, like I said, I haven't tasted the food lately. Um, but I would really want to see the food and, and hear what the real complaint is. But I'm sure you have an option. Is there not an option? If you don't want free food, pack a lunch for your kid. Send food, send cooked food. Uh, you don't have to take it, right? Although it's free. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Miss Bonnie. Damien is here. Uh, Damien says the seafood might agitate the environmentalists. Well, you know, there's a whole line of thinking that we need to stop eating seafood as well to give the ocean a break. I'm like, damn, what are we going to eat? You're trying to give meat a break for your own health and sustainability and whatever. Then seafood's supposed to be healthy. So then you're going to give seafood a break. You're going to have to really become a vegetarian. Yeah, I didn't taste it, to be fair to them. So it might taste perfectly fine. What I'm, what I'm saying is it wasn't Cayman-style beef. It was beef. And so it might have tasted just fine. I mean, I saw people in the cafeteria eating it, and they didn't look like they were having a problem. But Cayman-style cooking, as I said, isn't the same. But we also are not the healthiest people in the world. That's my point. I don't know that you want your kids to be eating like that all the time, or you probably shouldn't want them to. 
Lavana says she's cooking Cayman style beef right now. And I don't shred my beef. You just cook it until it's tender. That's right. Cook it all night long if you have to. Uh, she says, I hate to see shredded beef and they call it Cayman style. Omeria, uh, good morning. She says, I'm here shaking my head about what you say about the beef. It upsets me when I hear this. What part of it? What part of that is upsetting? Uh, Damien says the veggies don't have the vitamins after they're overcooked. Well, you're not supposed to overcook them. Some crunch and not mushy. Yes. Yeah, here's the thing, folks. Um, This is important. Thank you, Damien, for pointing this out. Vegetables are supposed to be, um, what is the the culinary word for it? Um, There's an actual culinary term where basically you're just blasting them with a little bit of, um, you know, the best way actually is just to steam your vegetables. I have a steamer and I don't know how many of you have ever used a steamer, but I even steam corn and it's perfect. This corn is juicy and it's, you know, but um, blanched. Yes. Thank you, Dave. Damien, are you a secret chef? Um, So yes, you're not supposed to be overcooking and soaking your vegetables in water and all this kind of stuff. The best way to do it really is just to simply steam your vegetables. But most of us, again, they're not big veggie eaters. We're like, oh, we don't want to be eating vegetables. Now, Lavana is trying to make us all hungry. Let's see what she's got in her beef pot. Let's have a look. So you do your beef on the stovetop. You see, I don't cook Cayman style beef on the stovetop. Mine goes in the oven, child. But look, yeah. Morning, Sandra. I don't know where to get this Cayman style beef from shredding. I'm actually cooking it like right now. See, this is how I grew up on seeing my mother and father cooking it. My dad is still doing it today. He's 78 years old. You just cook all your beef till it's tender and falling apart. But it still stays in chunks. Cooks in its own little fat. This doesn't even have a lot of fat. Springs its own water. This has a little bone on there, but see? just chunks. A nice piece of cassava. Gone oh. clear. So this is on my menu today. This is what how I grew up knowing how came on side should be. Nice. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah, I do mine in the oven. That's how I was shown by Miss Laura how to do it. And that is how I do it to this day. Um, but I do know people who do it on the stovetop as well. But no child, I just season it up. Put in all my seasoning. Stick the oven on about 225, 250, really low simmer. Stick the beef in the oven, cover it up really good. Put my foil and then my cover, whatever, stick it in there and leave it. 12 hours later, I'm like, ooh, smells like the beef is done. And then I might check on it. Um, so Morna said, yes, we got to check out her beef. It is the best. Mm-mm-mm. But I can assure you that, um, you know, I don't know how they're cooking their beef, but it's not, they're not going to be sitting there cooking it for no 12 hours or five or six hours or whatever. Um, it's also an economy of scale situation, right? So, um, yes. I love your good food, though. 
I must tell you. Mm-mm. So here's somebody else that says, my boys survive school lunches. I refuse to over cater to them. When I cook, they get catered to. <laughs> They've learned to be flexible. We survived off of Miss Carita's slight burnt chill. Is that chili? Slightly burnt chili. So the children are going to be fine. <laughs> mm. oh, that is so funny. Slightly burnt chili. Yeah, I don't remember much about school. You know what? Who? Like, honestly, your kids will, as soon as they leave school, they will forget about school lunches. As much as I love food, and y'all know I love my food, when I think back on, like, high school and whatever, I mean, the food doesn't stand out, which means it wasn't spectacular. But it certainly didn't kill me. So <laughs> I guess I'm fine. I had I had augmented a lot of uh, supplementary meals for my aunt because she cooked breakfast every single morning. She was a stay-at-home uh, parent. So in the mornings, you got up and child. I remember the breakfasts from her that I didn't like. The, um, you know what she used to make that to this day I can't stand? Well, I eat it, but, you know, grits. Y'all eat grits? I don't think Kimana's even eat grits, but grits. And she'd put just a little tips of butter on it. And you had grits and maybe like bacon or whatever. Child, I was like, what is this grits thing? Ah, but you know what? I ate it. Um, I guess it has some kind of nutritional value. I don't know. And it didn't kill me. I survived. And I was actually at my healthiest weight in high school when I was with her because it was much more balanced. Yes, she would cook not so much Caribbean, but she did more Southern cooking, right? So occasionally she might throw in a little dish, but she was so funny. She was a very Southern. She had like the Southern draw. Um, what are y'all doing there in the Caymans? She was a Cayman. You know, she was born in Caymans, but she didn't grow up here. She left when she was very, very young. So she had this, yeah, and my dad in the Cayman Islands. Um, can you send me some of that nice lobster? <laughs> I was like, all right, Aunt Lottie. But she was a good cook. She just didn't cook to um, Caribbean standards necessarily. But boy, oh, she was the best cook ever. Oh my God. But it was it was about you had to eat your vegetables now. She was gonna cook your vegetables. And I used to be trying to give the dog the vegetables, and he was that's not what he wanted either. So <laughs> she was like, You need to eat your vegetables, Sandra. I was like, All right, Aunt Lottie. Um, can I tell you what I just loved about that video that we watched? Did anybody else catch the uh absolutely beautiful Caymanian accent? Listen to Lavana. Let's listen. Morning, Sandra. I don't know where to get this Cayman style beef from shredding. I'm actually cooking it like right now. See, this is how I grew up on seeing my mother and father cooking it. My dad still do it today. He's 78 years old. You just cook all your beef till it's tender and falling apart. But it still stays in chunks. Cooks in its own little fat. This doesn't even have a lot of fat. Springs its own water. Hear that water? Yeah, boy. Um, so let's finish up some comments. We do have our guests who are going to be coming on here shortly. I do see one guest who is ready. And um, we have Anne-Marie, who's also going to be joining us. Anne-Maria. 
So just checking on her to see if she's ready. So um, Morna says, now that's Cayman style beef. Yes, it is. Diana said, when we used to buy school food, it was decent, but now it's not paid for. It's bad. And my daughter always complains about the quality, sorry, and quantity. And she's not picky. She doesn't eat much and much less is overweight. But I don't understand that because it's the same, it's the same food. It's the same company. So you're saying that they're now that government is paying for all the meals, it's worse than it was before. Like I find that hard to believe. Um, I think that uh, that they are offering the same food. So Louis says high school for me stands out. Mr. Ivan's chili and French fries and hot sauce. Yeah, you see, again, not the most healthy menu there, but all right. Barbara says, you're completely right. Shredded beef is not Cayman style beef. Mind you, I must say that when I do mine, I do cook it down um, completely. I don't leave mine in any chunks. Like I like mine completely cooked down. And so uh, towards the very end, I might actually pull it apart just a little bit because I don't necessarily mind it being shredded, but it still has all the seasoning and stuff of, you know, Proper Cayman style beef. Morning, Tommy. All right, let's go ahead and um, transition with our guests. Now, we do have the good doctor who is joining us this morning. And we're going to be discussing, this is a very good conversation, um, multiple sclerosis, which is MS, often termed as MS. And we're going to find out all about what MS is. Um, it, it's it's something that we always hear about. It's kind of like lupus, like you hear about it a lot, but a lot of times you're not really sure what it is. So we're going to be learning a bit about that from both a clinical perspective here in a second. And we do have Anne Maria who has MS and she is also going to be joining the program to tell us what her journey has been like. Now I understand that everyone who has um, MS has perhaps a different experience so it's not always the same. We do have Dr. Azad Isak, I'm hoping I'm getting this right, who's a neurologist and neurophysiologist for over three decades. He's born and raised in Trinidad, attended the University of the West Indies at St. Augustine, and he's received his um, Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry in 1977. Wow. Completed his um, MBB. MBBS with honors in 1982, and he's also won the clinical prize for that same year. So he has a passion for neurology and neuroscience and um, decided to specialize in that as a result, to specialize in that. He's moved to the UK from 1984 to pursue specialized training in neurology and clinical neurophysiology. And so he was there for a number of years um, and trained in innovative neurology surgeries and the treatment of complex neuropsychiatric disorders um, at a well-renowned institution there in Bristol. So uh, he's going to be speaking with us today. He does currently uh, work at Doctors Hospital, and we're going to get a bit of an insight from the good doctor. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good. So it was Thank very you interesting. Thank you very much for asking me to come on your show. Yes, absolutely. And it was so interesting to read your um, biography. It's uh, you're the, in the who's who of, I guess, neurologists and neurophysiologists. Um, so quite, uh, quite interesting. Now, more importantly, you actually specialize in MS research in the Caribbean and you publish extensively on the disease, which I think is quite fascinating. Um, so tell us a little bit about what MS is. You know, I've, I know people who have it, but sometimes it's difficult to get a fix, like an understanding of, well, what is MS? Yeah. Well, if we go back a little bit and talk about what comprises the nervous system of the human beings, you might get a better understanding. So, so the human, human nervous system comprises the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord. And then there's the peripheral nervous system and then the autonomic nervous system. So multiple sclerosis is really a disease of the central nervous system largely, where the brain and, the sp and all the spinal cord may be involved. Now, in the brain and the spinal cord, you've got two kinds of matters. Mm -hmm. You have got gray matter and you've got white matter. And the white matter comprises really of a substance called myelin. And this is a mm -hmm. sheet that goes over the nerve cells, the axons. So it's just, it's a bit like, it's a bit like having a wire. And on, in, on the inside of the wire are the axons, the, the, and on the outside is the myelin sheet. That's the, the white bit. And MS really is an illness that, uh, that, that affects primarily the, um, the lining of the cells, the myelin sheet. Yeah, so it affects, it's, it's one of the white matter diseases of the brain and spinal cord. And also concomitant with that uh, is degeneration of the inside of this, uh, the, the cells, the inside of the, the axons. So you have axonal degeneration taking place subsequent to what we call demyelination, which uh -huh. is loss of the myelin sheet. Now, what actually causes this is um, it's complex to say the least. Um, in terms of, it's an immune disease. It's a, probably an autoimmune disease. What that uh -huh. means is, is, is the patient's own body is looking at the brain and spinal cord and the myelin sheet and the patient's immune system is saying, well, I, I don't like this. I'm going to attack it. Hmm. And so the patient's own immune system goes away and starts attacking the white matter of the brain and or the spinal cord and, um, and gives rise to the illness. Interesting. So is there, is there any research that says, um, I know some audio, autoimmune um, diseases, you know, you might get an indication that certain types of people are more likely to have it than others. Is this one of those um, diseases where we have, you know, are women more likely to get it of a particular age? Can, it, can the onset of MS happen at any age? Can you give us a, a little bit more information about yeah. um, that component of the disease? Sure. So, so MS is largely a disease. It's, it's more common. Um, it's, it's four times more common in women than it is in men, mm. yeah, to begin with. And it's certainly more common in the Caucasian population. 
and it's more common the further away you get from the equator. So it, 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 the prevalence of the disease rises the colder the climate. Yeah? So for example, the prevalence of the disease is going to be pretty low or even non-existent mm -hmm. in the African type countries, in the very hot countries. Yeah. Mm. But as you get further away from the equator, both north and south, the prevalence of the disease rises, especially in the really? Caucasian population. So just to give you an idea, um, you may find that in the in, in where you're close to the equator, the prevalence of the disease may be one patient per 100,000 population. Uh -huh. so if you looked at, say, um, in the European countries, in northern Scotland, for example, that prevalence rate may rise to 133 per 100,000 population. Wow. So there's a, a big geographical distribution of the disease. Mm -hmm. so there are two components of this thing. One is a <clears throat> there is a, certainly a genetic component to, to why the patient gets the disease. So you're you're genetically predisposed because and and there's there's also an environmental aspect of it as well. So in, in a patient who is genetically predisposed, placed in an environment, they have a, a high chance of then developing this illness. Mm -hmm. Now, I do see um, Anna Maria, who is going to be joining us. Um, she has MS. Uh, Kayleen makes the point, Yvette, that MS affects everyone differently. So this is uh, very, very interesting because I've heard this before um, from people who do have MS. So let's talk about, before we bring um, Anna Maria into the discussion, let's talk about some of the more common symptoms of MS, uh, just to kind of understand what some people may be experiencing. So one of the common symptoms of MS is how, how the patient may present is uh, this loss of vision in one or the other eye, what we call optic neuritis. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's an acute presentation of uh, the patient where the patient may have pain and loss of vision in one eye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as I said, that's called optic neuritis. And that's a, that's a fairly common presentation of the mm -hmm. disease. There are other presentations as well, it just depends on what part of the central nervous system is affected, whether it's the brain or the spinal cord, and what part of the brain and or the spinal cord is affected. So you can have weakness along one part of the body, you can have difficulties with your speech, you can have loss of balance, which is another reasonably common presentation of the illness. You may have sensory symptoms such as numbness and tingling, which can start peripherally in your arms or legs and work its way up. Mm -hmm. And you can have disturbances of your bladder and your bowel and your sexual function. And, 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 and more recently, we have been, we have been uh, focusing more on the sort of non-motor symptoms and signs of MS where, mm -hmm. people, where, where these patients lose their cognitive function yeah so the memory is affected and the personality may change so there are a number of ways in which the um the illness can in fact present mm -hmm. and, mm. and not, ev not everyone will present with optic neuritis not everyone will present with difficulties with walking or difficulty with their balance or weakness in the arm or numbing mm -hmm. 
So we do have a list here, um, everything from slurred speech, fatigue, uh, dizziness, tingling or pain in parts of your body, um, problems with sexual bowel or bladder function, as the doctor just mentioned, blurry vision, uh, lots of vision issues, prolonged double vision, partial or complete loss of vision, usually in one eye at a time, often with pain during eye movement. Um, and apparently some people can, um, it's a, what's called a relapsing and remitting disease occurs with a lot of people where they kind of go into periods where they may get new symptoms or they may relapse and develop, um, you know, over days or weeks. And then there's some improvement either partially or completely. So let's uh, bring Anna Maria into the conversation. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing your own personal experiences with us. Now, um, can I ask roughly how old you are? I'm going to be 31 on Sunday. Oh, happy birthday when it comes. Thank you, thank you. So when did you discover um, that you were having some symptoms of MS? How old were you? I was around 25. And MS does tend to affect women predominantly in their 20s to 30s. Right. That's when the symptoms first start to show. And as you've been discussing, my first symptom was optic neuritis. So I lost vision in my right eye. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But it, I have relapsing and remitting MS. So my vision has returned and I uh -huh. have 20-20 vision at the moment. Right. But obviously, when it when it does occur, you're so terrified that your vision isn't going to come back. Um, and you just have to wait it out and just hope for the best, really. Um, it happened to me in the best of ways um, uh -huh. because I woke up and I was in my house when I, when I realized um, what was going on. Uh -huh. Luckily, it didn't take place if I was out and about random. Uh -huh you know so in that sense I was safe and I was able to seek medical assistance straight away. right and in terms of your diagnosis so yours started with the vision um yeah. problem did they were they able to fix right away what it was that they diagnosed you with MS right away or did it take a while it to figure out what was going it on it took approximately three years oh wow um, yes it took some time because when I was initially um presenting with the optic neuritis, the hospital at the time presumed it was caused by a viral infection. I was feeling very run down at that time. Mm. And actually it has become a pattern for me that when I feel run down, I tend to have a relapse. So mm. two years later, again, I was feeling kind of just off balance that something wasn't right. Maybe I was coming down with a cold Mm -hmm. And that's when I had double vision. So for me, both my initial relapses were, were visual disturbances. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Dr. Isak has, has mentioned this yet, but um, there are different cohorts of persons with MS. And mm -hmm. having visual disturbances is one of um, the most common ways somebody is diagnosed because right. it's... Um, it's unusual for somebody to have a visual disturbance just randomly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it was it's it was very um, definitive after the double vision that the doctor started investigating, and that's when it was discovered that I have MS. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
So um, primarily then your um, symptoms or mm -hmm. the vision disturbances, have you experienced anything else? You did mention fatigue. Yes. Um, so when I was first diagnosed, so in 2018, um, mm -hmm. the shock of the diagnosis actually sent me into a relapse, which was my first relapse, which affected um, me physically. And it was a sensory issue with my left leg. So I presume everybody watching, listening has experienced mm -hmm. pins and needles. Mm -hmm. And it was a permanent pins and needles. I was forever feeling this in my left foot oh my and God. it gradually like moved up to my, my knee oh, and wow. parts of my thigh. Um, but it didn't prevent me from walking or running. In fact, I, at that point in my life, was making more of an effort because of the diagnosis to be more active. And uh -huh. over time, um, the, the symptoms dissipated. Um, the fatigue is something definitely that I know I was feeling, but Yes. I know this now because of the benefit of hindsight, because I've had treatment since diagnosis and the way I feel since having treatment is a thousand times better. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know that you're experiencing fatigue because generally most people will say they're feeling tired. Mm -hmm. You go to work in the morning and say, how are you? Oh, I'm exhausted or I need a coffee. And mm -hmm. you think, well, I'm tired as well but everybody around me is tired. So how I'm feeling must be normal. Um, it's very mm. hard to, to compare because you have, you have no comparison. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And how has having um, MS impacted your life? Um, I don't know if you're a mom, but you know, you mentioned working, mm -hmm. uh, how has it had some real life implications? <clears throat> I would say, um, this is controversial, but I would say it's, mm -hmm. had a, it's had a positive impact because for me, it gave me, um, it was kind of the aha moment for me to, to make some real positive changes in my life. Mm -hmm. So at the time I was diagnosed, I wasn't necessarily um, the most unhealthy, but I wasn't taking the best care of myself. And mm -hmm. since diagnosis, I've learned really to listen to my body more, but also to focus on better eating exercise um and mindfulness and i'm in a much better place because of it mm -hmm. yeah so I, I i would say that i'm grateful you know god doesn't give you any challenges that you can't handle mm -hmm. and this one i definitely can um i would say the condition because it's been relatively mild for me um hasn't impacted me in in a way that has been life-changing but what mm -hmm. has is the therapy that the treatment that i've had um and dr isak can explain a little bit more but i've had what's called alemtuzumab which is a targeted chemotherapy so mm -hmm. um, i'm immunocompromised and it my second round of infusions was actually just before the start of COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown and everything else. So mm -hmm. it kind of came at a very scary time um, for me personally, because I was like, you know, like a baby with a new new immune system and having to take um, some, some added precautions in comparison to the average person. Um, but my immune system has reached a threshold now where I'm at a safe level. Um, mm -hmm. But that I would say Sometimes it's not necessarily the, the condition which affects you, but perhaps the treatment plan or whatever that you, you go through 
can have an impact, at least temporarily, on your lifestyle, um, on your decision making, because I had to be more careful. Mm. I'm, I'm very well now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's certainly a positive way of um, of looking at it. Thank you so much, uh, Anna Maria, for sharing that. And just stand by. We're going to probably ask you for a few more questions. So, Dr. Uh, Isak, does that sound typical of when you speak to patients of some of the um, symptoms that you hear that they're having and kind of what their prognosis is? Or is Anna Maria's um, story that shared with us uh, a bit more unique? No, that sounds absolutely typical, really. She's had an optic neuritis and she's had some, some sensory symptoms in the in one, one of the other limb. So that, that's pretty typical. And, mm -hmm. and really and truly, nowadays, we don't take that long to make a diagnosis because once you have optic neuritis, you're going to get a good quality MRI scan. And uh, mm -hmm. the diagnosis is going to become pretty much obvious on that. Um, mm -hmm. You may have to repeat the scans and you may have to wait a bit longer. Mm -hmm. uh, three years is kind of long. Um, the fatigue is very a very common symptom associated mm. with that, and and and, uh, and she mentioned that the the, the fatigue the fatigue uh, predated the relapse, which is uh, which is a slightly unusual because the the, the fatigue normally um, comes together with the relapse. But she she mentioned that, that she's on the drug called uh, the the common name for the drug is Lemtrada, and it's a uh, but just to go back a bit and see why these these drugs are being used mm -hmm. um, in the in in the in the immune system there are two kinds of cells really there are t cells and there are b cells um, and the t cells are a number of sub subunits like killer cells and helper cells and so on and we know in, for a long time we, we've, we've concentrated our efforts on looking at t cell function in ms and uh, the T cells have been implicated largely in the demyelinating process. But over the last uh, 10 years or so, uh, more emphasis has been placed on B cell dysfunction in MS. Mm. Now, T cells and B cells go hand in hand. They're not independent arms of the immune system. But um, historically, the, the major treatments have been, have been really focused on uh, alteration of T cell function. And the drug that uh, Anna Maria mentioned is mm -hmm. one of those drugs where the T cells are, uh, are, are, are altered to not to, 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 to behave themselves, in other words. Mm -hmm. But over the last few years, we've, we've, we've been concentrating a bit more on B cell disturbances in MS. And um, there, there are two, two drugs that have come along. Um, one is a drug called Rituximab and the other is Ocrevus. Um, they are very, very expensive drugs, like most of the MS drugs. Mm -hmm. but this, is, this is a drug that affects really B cell function. And, and it's the first drug that's been used uh, or, or licensed to treat a, a, a subset of MS called primary progressive disease. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so would you mind if I just... Hello? He's yes. busy. <laughs> I'll, I'll mute his mic for him um, and bring Anne-Marie back on for just a quick second. So um, Anne-Marie, um, do you have a primary physician here that you work with on island that is um, 
you know, obviously aware of your diagnosis and is able to help you monitor any relapses, any reoccurrences? I do. Um, in fact, I had previously seen Dr. Isak. Okay. Um, but I'm currently at the specialist clinic in, in town. And I would say my experience has been brilliant, honestly. The, mm -hmm. the support that I've received here has been better than I would have imagined, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because in coming to a small island, you, you have fears, worries that maybe um, your treatment would take a, a hit in that way. Mm -hmm. But they've been able to, um, to meet everything I need because with the treatment that I've had, I do need ongoing monitoring because there are side effects, there are risks involved. Mm -hmm. and everything's been met so far. So yeah, I'm very happy right. with the treatment here. Wonderful. Now we do have um, a question here for um, Dr. Isak. So Melis says, is there a test to find out if we are predisposed um, to MS? So is there any sort of genetic testing, for example, uh, doc, that can be um, given to someone to find out if this is something that they should be concerned about? There is no real predisposing test that one can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have situations where you may f find MS in twins and twins being affected or close relatives being affected. And that situation, you may want to have a look at the MRI scans of the relatives who are affected by the disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there are no single blood tests or or lab tests that can tell you that you are predisposed to this disease. So there is a little bit, I was reading that as well, that sometimes there is a bit of a family or genetic component. Um, well, there is a big genetic component, yes. yes. I mean, it's a, so we have families where we have, we've got, uh, we've got sisters being affected, we've got cousins being affected. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Right. So let me just show um, everyone here some of the complications associated with MS. So we've got muscle stiffness or spasms, paralysis, typically in the legs, problems with the bladder, bowel or sexual function, uh, mental changes such as forgetfulness or mood swings, depression and epilepsy. So that's according to uh, the Mayo Clinic there. Um, so again, and of course, um, sight and, and eye related problems are sometimes a, um, an indication that you should start, you know, having a physician look very closely at what is causing that as probably is always the case. So we do have Virtuous um, who says that I suffer from fibromyalgia, Raynaud's phenomenon, also, also uh, osteoarthritis and other pain uh, sicknesses. I have a lot of all of these symptoms she's having now how do I know it's not MS? So here's someone who's having other issues and wondering if maybe she has remained undiagnosed for MS. Um, what's the testing like? What is the diagnosis uh, process like in order to determine if someone has MS? Well, the process involves taking a careful history, first of all, of the symptoms, yes? So the, the, the symptoms are extremely important indeed. So someone who comes up who has joint pains, for example, or who has headache, or, or who comes with a seizure, yeah, or who has pain in their in the big toe, mm -hmm. those are not the symptoms that you would really ascribe to MS. But someone who comes with an optic neuritis, 
someone who has pins and needles in one leg, someone who has loss of balance, someone who has difficulties with walking, yeah? Mm -hmm. So those are the symptoms that you look at. And then you look at the signs, and that's what the things that you, when you examine the patients, yes? And you look for signs of whether the brain and or the spinal cord is affected. And we have certain neurological signs that lead us in that direction. So once you have this, this, the history and the examination on, uh, under your belt, then you go for an MRI scan, yeah? And the MRI scan could be either the brain or the spinal cord. And that will give you a better clue as to what is happening. But you have to start really with the story. Mm -hmm. Not everybody who has pain or who has uh, vague symptoms, yeah, um, they're going to end up having an MRI scan. Yeah. So the history and the examination is, is also very important. Interesting. Um, Virtuous, I would say uh, maybe go and speak to um, Dr. Isak to see if he's able to assist. Uh, Melis says, is, um, oh gosh, I don't know how to pronounce this drug here. Is it? Rituximab. Rituox, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Used in Cayman for progressive MS. Yeah. Well, well, to be quite honest, Rituximab is, um, is, is one of those drugs that that came along to, to, to look at the B cell arm of the immune system. Yes. So it's really the precursor of a drug that we now use called Ocrevus. But um, it's not really licensed to be used in multiple sclerosis. Mm. But because it's a precursor to the drug that we use and it's much less expensive, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we have been using it off license for a number of patients who have MS. But these are patients who are not severely affected. Yeah. And, and um, yes, it is used for progressive disease, but not in people who are, who are say, wheelchair bound. If you're uh -huh. wheelchair bound and you've got progressive MS, yeah, then it's unlikely that a drug like rituximab is actually going to make a great difference. Hmm. Now, um, children can actually get MS as well. So I know you said that most people between their, I think, 20s and 40s um, will present first symptoms, but it's also possible for children and older people to get MS as well. Yeah, the median age for MS in, in, in the Caribbean is about age 34. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and but yes, you have you have what is called late onset MS, where you have patients who are over the age of 50 acquiring the disease. And you have some teenagers and younger children um, acquiring the disease as well. But one has to be very careful because there are some subsets of MS. Yeah. And they have some really fancy names to them, mm -hmm. which can affect different ages. And so children may be more preserved, more, more prone to de developing one of the subsets of MS rather than MS itself. But the two things can become quite confused. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so one has to be really careful about mm -hmm. calling everything MS. Yes. Well, folks, it is MS month, and uh, that's the reason why we're having this little um, sort of educational 
segment this morning. It also, MS impacts over 2 million people across the globe. And every single week, um, 200 additional people are being diagnosed with um, the disease to various degrees. So some people, you know, um, do eventually end up in a wheelchair and some people will live a pretty full life with controlled medication and perhaps some lifestyle modification and changes. No known cause, folks, for MS. So again, um, there seems to be some sort of a hereditary factor, but as the doctor said, interestingly enough, climate, weather plays a change, at, 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 uh, plays a part. And also, um, if you are Caucasian, probably of a certain European descent, you're more likely to have it than like, you know, African, Asian individuals. So it's quite interesting as well. So let's just watch a quick video um, on MS. Again, trying to teach you guys what it is. And you might know someone. I mean, I know a few people that I've met in my life that have MS. And I still didn't really understand what it meant. I was like, oh, you've got MS. Okay, what does that mean? Let's have what a... We would, what we really like to know mm -hmm. is what is the prevalence of MS in the local Kehmanian population, not yes. excluding the expat population, excluding the yeah. Americans and the British and the Europeans who've come from abroad. But what is the prevalence of the disease in local Kehmanian population? Mm. And if someone can can give me that information, I'll be that that'll be a Christmas gift come early. I mean, that's a really important stuff. And that's the stuff that we really did in, yeah. the, in the Southern Caribbean to try and estimate the prevalence of the disease mm. in the Southern Caribbean a few years ago. And that's what mm. we would like to find out. What is it? Because the thing is, in the, with the local Caymanian uh, population, mm -hmm. it's a mixed genetic pool because there's a big European influence on that population. So it's not the same as the Caucasian American, the Caucasian European, the Caucasian Canadian population is different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the prevalence rate here, yeah, may be somewhere between my, my estimation be somewhere between a very low prevalence rate and a reasonably high prevalence rate. Yeah. But we don't mm -hmm. know what mm -hmm. it is. And that's what I that is, I think is important, especially for planning. Yes. Um, okay. If anybody has that information um, or can help me in getting that information, yeah, establishing a register, for example, uh, that that's that's a, that'll be a, a big step forward. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of that, uh, Anna Marie, I know there is an MS Foundation on Island. Are you involved? with that foundation or do you know much? Cause I'm wondering if maybe they could be uh, in the best position since people probably join the foundation to say mm -hmm. how many people may have it. Do you have any idea? Um, I, I'm not actively involved. I'm linked in with them though. So I can ask uh, the founder mm -hmm. of the foundation if that's information that she has to hand mm -hmm. um, or something that the MS foundation could look at establishing like a register that like, yes suggested absolutely yeah that would be fantastic um because as as the good doctor says that type of information is extremely um useful and now that i'm thinking about it just even for myself i think i only know a handful of caymanians who actually have it um one doesn't live here he lives in the uk but um 
Yeah, I'm not sure what the prevalence would be. So that's very, very interesting to try to find out. So um, Anna, Marie, Anna Maria, what is your uh, personal prognosis for the disease? Um, have you been told, mm -hmm. you know, what you can expect? Um, I've been told to expect that I'll lead a very full life. Um, as I mentioned, my symptoms were initially visual disturbances mm -hmm. and there are studies which show that those that initially present with visual disturbances tend to do better than mm -hmm. those who present with physical symptoms to start with. Mm -hmm. um, and that has to do with the part of the brain which is attacked or, or has lesions um, in, in the initial ages mm. um, those persons predominantly who have more lesions on their spine for instance tend to have um, uh, more disability accruement over over time okay mm -hmm. um, but obviously it's very difficult to predict but at the moment um, having had treatment and since having had my treatment I haven't had any progression at all um, I have MRI scans on an annual basis mm -hmm. and those have shown that there's been no progression but also shown that my spine is clear um, which I'm very thankful for and I will continue to have annual MRI scans mm -hmm. and if there is any further progression then we'll just look to treating again. Um, persons who have been treated with alemtuzumab aka Lemtrada have gone on after 10 years to have no further disease progression. Um, so around 50% of the persons that were treated with alemtuzumab in clinical trials haven't needed further treatment. Mm -hmm. Around 20 to 30% I think have needed a third course of treatment and then others have needed fourth and fifth courses and then otherwise they might try a different um, type of treatment. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think, to be honest, my progression outlook is good. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. say that. I'm going to put that out You're going to put that out there. <laughs> Positivity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sure your mental um, health and wellness and how you approach any disease, um, but, you know, a particular one like this is, is also extremely important. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah put that positivity out there. So, um, Doc, I was also reading that there are several different types. There's actually four types of MS. Can we talk a little bit about these? It appears that 85% of individuals who are diagnosed with MS actually have what's called the relapsing remitting. Which that is, is correct. There are, there are four, uh, basically four different types. Mm -hmm. There's um there's the, the the commonest really is what you just said RRMS which is relapse and remitting MS mm -hmm. where the illness gets where there's a relapse it gets better again almost comes back to normal and there's a further relapse along the way gets better again almost gets back to normal and then after a number of years what happens of of of, of relapse and remitting MS is that the patients do not get all that much better and then they start to go down and we call that secondary progressive disease now now in the caucasian population that may take a number of years to, to happen mm -hmm. um, for example in the canadian population that may take up to two decades to happen 
Hmm. But in the Afro-Caribbean population and in the Afro-American population, the turnaround time from relapsing remitting to secondary progressive, where the disease starts to take off and become worse, is only of the order of a small number of years. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it's more aggressive disease in the Afro-American and the Afro-Caribbean population. Yes. So mm -hmm. with Anna Maria being Caucasian, young, female, optic neuritis as a presenting, she's in a good prognosis group. Yeah. But if you have the Afro-Caribbean or the Afro-American young woman, yes, who may be presenting with spinal cord symptoms, that's a poor prognosis. So you have relapsing remitting, you have secondary progressive, and then mm -hmm. you have patients who never who never get better. They go downhill straight away, all the way wow. down. And that's called primary progressive disease. And that occurs mainly in the men. Men are more prone. These mm -hmm. are the primary progressive disease. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is something called a clinically isolated syndrome, where you have one single solitary clinical attack and nothing else. But 50% of these patients later on are likely to develop a different form of DNS. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Huh. So I'm reading here that one of the primary concerns um, with MS is the cognitive damage that can be caused. So a lot of times people are focused on sort of what it does to the body that they can see, you know, um, the vision and eye problems, the legs and so on. But apparently uh, people who have MS experience um, a large you know, degree of, of loss of memory, whether temporary or permanent. And they sometimes struggle with having conversations, uh, searching for the right word. Sometimes they may, if you're you know, talking to them or you're around them, it seems like they can't stay focused um, or you know, they're drifting or they tend to space out. So, and of course, these types of problems can often lead to depression as well as being one of the, I guess, secondary symptoms that needs to be monitored very, very closely and treated. Um, what, what would you say in terms of percentage of patients that you see presenting with the cognitive related issues? Um, I, I would think about 30%, as, as much as 30%. But let's go back and find out why that is happening though. Right. That's, that's, that's really very important. For a long, long time, we thought MS just affected white matter of the brain, uh -huh. just the myelin sheath. Yeah. But we know now that not only the white matter is affected, but the gray matter, our thinking processes, our high mental uh -huh. function is significantly affected in disease. Uh -huh. And you look at the MRI scans of someone who has MS and you see the loss of brain volume in successive scans. And that's because it's not just the myelin sheath that's been destroyed by this inflammatory process uh -huh. also the underlying axons that the, the cells themselves are being damaged yeah and therefore when you lose the cells the brain becomes binged tends to shrink and you then start developing all these high mental function symptoms such as loss of memory development uh -huh. depression all sort of different cognitive dysfunction occurs so, and it's, it's, it's certainly something that, that it's the non-motor symptoms of MS that we're, we're starting to focus more on um, now. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, Anna-Marie, as we wrap up this conversation, um, just any, I'm sure your words are going to be positive, uh, words for someone who has been uh, diagnosed with MS. Um, you know, I'm sure it was a shock to you when you heard the diagnosis. What advice would you give to anyone who hears the word mul words multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. or that you have MS? You're right, Sandra. It does come as a shock. Um, I would say I went through the grieving process, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say to somebody, take time, honestly, be kind to yourself. It's going to be a different time for you as you start to process what's happened. Um, I would say do your research because we alone are our best advocates. Obviously, in doing your research, reach out to medical practitioners so mm -hmm. that whatever information you have, you are the, the best informed. Um, but similarly... Um, when you're doing your research, I would say be, be mindful of what you're exposing yourself to, because I think mm -hmm. we have a tendency to catastrophize. And I remember seeing pictures of persons in wheelchairs, people. And those those images probably aren't very helpful when you're first diagnosed to be looking mm. at them, you know, because these are people who are maybe 30 years ahead of you and also were diagnosed at a time when we did medications that we have today so mm -hmm. I definitely had to um, bring myself back to reality and say you know it's a different era and mm -hmm. if you were going to be diagnosed you were diagnosed in the best of times when you have access to the best treatment that's out there so in saying that I would also recommend that the person looks at treatment not everybody wants to have medication but there are other treatment types you know it might even be taking vitamin D, um, exercising, dietary changes. Um, mm -hmm. Also the treatment that I, that I had is very intensive. There are milder types of treatments. They're called disease modifying therapies. There are much milder ones which don't have such a damaging effect on the body or have um, the risk of side effects that the types, the, mo the more effective types do. So if you're, you know, a little bit conscious of that then you can always start on a milder therapy type and see how you go um, mm -hmm. and lastly I would say seek support you know speak to friends and family and if if you feel uncomfortable doing that then reach out onto online forums um, maybe even seek therapy um, because you're really going to need to express yourself in a healthy way because what's mm -hmm. happening to you is it would be hard for anybody right um, and talking therapies definitely help me. So I'm recommending that to everybody. Right. Wonderful. Thank you so much, right. um, Anna Maria. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing um, with us. And uh, Yvette agrees. She says, keep a positive mindset and become educated on the disease. Do not dwell on uh, what you learn. So yeah. Catherine also extends her thanks to you. Um, Anna Maria, she says, thanks for sharing your story. MS is not an easy disease to live with. So thank, thank you guys so much. Um, and of course, Dr. Isak, can you give us some final thoughts on, on MS, sort of the way forward um, in terms of treatment and the prognosis for patients in 2022? I think you have to make it clear to people, first uh, with patients with MS, first of all, is that look, 15%. 50%, only 15% end up in a wheelchair eventually. So 85% of patients 
who have this disease actually live a fairly normal life, mm. 85%. So your chances of doing that are, are good. There's a caveat to that. Unfortunately, the caveat to that is that if you are Afro-American or if you are Afro-Caribbean, well, the figures aren't as great as as, as 85%, yeah? Um, it's it's a bit less, but it it is with with the advent of newer newer drugs, um, with the advent of things like stem cell research and stem cell treatment, uh-huh. yeah, um, we're able to to in some instances turn around the disease, I and mean, that's uh, that's very encouraging. And more and more research is going into how this immune system becomes disturbed by this mm. disease and what where in the immune system and, and and we are now able to target drugs in that direction i think that's mm. the way forward we have to understand the mm. intricacies of the dysfunction of the immune system in this illness and then you know we will be moving forward right okay well thank you so much um, Doc, uh, Melanie says it's not a one size fits everyone though, but it's good to keep an open mind. And Yvette also says thank you to Anna Maria for sharing your story. So thank you both for joining us on the program. Again, folks, March is MS month amongst other things. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that you're educating yourself. You probably know someone who has MS, but maybe they haven't necessarily shared the diagnosis with you. So reach out to a friend who has MS, learn a little bit more about what their personal journey and experience has been. And um, as the good doctor said, you know, maybe putting together a local registry or database of people who have MS is a great idea. So I don't know who wants to um, undertake that. Um, (laughs) He's very busy. I don't know who wants to undertake that. um, You know, don't worry, I've I've muted you. I don't know who wants to undertake that particular um, task, but if anyone is interested, uh, it seems like it's something that could be extremely useful for additional clinical research and and studies. So um, Kayleen says MS stands for mighty strong. So um, yes, keep up with the with the positive positivity there. All right, folks, thank you so much um, again, Dr. Isak, who is thank with uh, Doctors Hospital. And Anna Maria, who is, um, you know, an MS, um, you know, patient herself. She's dealing with this. Um, she's had a really good prognosis so far and remains extremely positive. Thank you so much again to both of you. Thank you. And nice to see you again, Anna Maria. You look well. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you Sandra. Okay, thanks, guys. I mean, you look at you, look at you Anna Maria, and you're beautiful. I mean, I would never have thought that there's anything wrong with you. And I guess that's... The thing with autoimmune deficiencies or diseases, you can't look at someone and tell, you know. No. So. so it's an invisible disease. Yeah, exactly. All right. Oh. Thank you so much, Anna Maria. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. And let's just watch a little uh, learning segment again um, on MS. I'm Dr. Oliver Tobin, a neurologist specializing in multiple sclerosis at Mayo Clinic. In this video, we'll be covering the basics of multiple sclerosis. What is it? Who gets it? The symptoms, diagnosis, and treatment. Whether you're looking for answers about your own health or that of someone you love, we're here to provide you with the best information available. Multiple sclerosis is a disorder in which the body's immune system attacks the protective covering of the nerve cells in the brain, optic nerve, and spinal cord, called the myelin sheath. 
And this sheath is often compared to the insulation on an electrical wire. When that covering is damaged, it exposes the actual nerve fiber, which can slow or block the signals being transmitted within it. The nerve fibers themselves might also be damaged. The body can repair damage to the myelin sheath, but it's not perfect. The resulting damage leaves lesions or scars, and this is where the name comes from, multiple sclerosis, multiple scars. Now, everyone loses brain cells and spinal cord cells as they get older. But if part of the brain or spinal cord has been damaged by MS, the nerve cells in that area will die off faster than the areas around it that are normal. This happens very slowly, usually over decades, and typically shows up as gradual walking difficulty happening over several years. When you read about multiple sclerosis, you may hear about different types, the most frequent being relapsing or remitting multiple sclerosis. And this is characterized by attacks or relapses. We don't know what causes MS, but there are certain factors that may increase the risk or trigger its onset. So while MS can occur at any age, it mostly makes its first appearance in people between the ages of 20 and 40. Low levels of vitamin D and low exposure to sunlight, which enables our body to make vitamin D, are associated with an increased risk of developing MS. And people who have MS who have low vitamin D tend to have more severe disease. So people who are overweight are more likely to develop MS, and people who have MS and are overweight tend to have more severe disease and a faster onset of progression. People who have MS and who smoke tend to have more relapses, worse progressive disease, and worse cognitive symptoms. Women are up to three times as likely as men to have relapsing remitting MS. The risk for MS in the general population is about 0.5%. If a parent or sibling has it, your risk is about twice that, or about 1%. Certain infections are also important. A variety of viruses have been linked to MS, including Epstein-Barr virus, which causes mono. Northern and southern latitudes have a higher prevalence, including Canada, the northern US, New Zealand, southeastern Australia, and Europe. White people, especially of northern European descent, are at the highest risk. People of Asian, African, and Native American ancestry have the lowest risk. A slightly increased risk is seen if a patient already has autoimmune thyroid disease, pernicious anemia, psoriasis, type 1 diabetes, or inflammatory bowel disease. Symptoms of a relapse usually come on over 24 to 48 hours, last for a few days to a few weeks, and then improve in the region of 80 to 100%. Those symptoms include loss of vision in an eye, loss of power in an arm or leg, or a rising sense of numbness in the legs. Other common symptoms associated with MS include spasms, fatigue, depression, incontinence issues, sexual dysfunction, and walking difficulties. There's currently no single test to make a diagnosis of MS. However, there are four key features which help to secure the diagnosis. Firstly, are there typical symptoms of multiple sclerosis? Again, those are loss of vision in an eye, loss of power in an arm or leg, or sensory disturbance in an arm or leg lasting for more than 24 hours. Secondly, do you have any physical examination findings consistent with MS? Next, is the MRI of your brain or spine consistent with MS? Now here it's important to note that 95% of people over the age of 40 have an abnormal brain MRI, just the same as many of us have wrinkles on our skin. Lastly, are the results of the spinal fluid analysis consistent with MS? 
Your doctor may recommend blood tests to check for other diseases that share the same symptoms. They may also recommend an OCT test or optical coherence tomography. This is a short scan of the thickness of the layers at the back of your eye. So the best thing to do when living with MS is to find a trusted interdisciplinary medical team that can help you monitor and manage your health. Having a multidisciplinary team is essential for addressing the individual symptoms that you are experiencing. If you have an MS attack or relapse, your doctor may prescribe you corticosteroids to reduce or improve your symptoms. And if your attack symptoms do not respond to steroids, another option is plasmapheresis or plasma exchange, which is a treatment similar to dialysis. About 50% of people who do not respond to steroids have a significant improvement with a short course of plasma exchange. There are over 20 medications currently approved for prevention of MS attacks and prevention of new MRI lesions. And learning to function with MS can be challenging. There are medical experts ready to work with you to help you manage it so you can still live a full life. Consulting with a physiatrist, physical or occupational therapist can help you deal with physical difficulties. Physical activity is strongly recommended for all people with MS. Mental health is also an important consideration. So keeping up personal connections with friends and family and trying to stay involved with your hobbies is important. But also be kind to yourself and realistic about what you're up for. This can change from day to day, so it's okay to give yourself permission if something seems like too much or if you need to cancel plans. You may also find support groups helpful to connect with people who understand what you're going through and discuss your feelings and concerns with a doctor or counselor. Meanwhile, scientists are hard at work expanding our understanding of this disease and developing new treatments and medications which are ever more effective. If you want to learn more, watch more of our videos or visit mayoclinic.org. We wish you well. All right, folks, and there is a local MS foundation as well. So, you know, it's always great when you can talk to people on island who are um, going through similar situations or, you know, even if they have a unique and different situation uh, prognosis than yours, it's still wonderful to have that support, someone that you can go and grab a coffee with, that you could sit down and have a chat with. So definitely reach out to the local MS Foundation. So Kayleen, uh, Yvette says it is an invisible disease. So again, lots of people I feel like are suffering from, sometimes it's mental health issues, sometimes it's a, you know, it's a diagnosis like MS that is very, very complex, but to look at them you would not know it. So that's why they say, you know, always be kind because you just never know what people are going through. So thank you so much um, for, you know, uh, Anna, Anna, Marie, Anna Maria and also to the good doctor for joining us this morning on the program for us to learn a little bit more about MS. So the month of March, there's a lot happening health-wise in the month of March, but we wanted to at least pick one or two um, wellness components that we could highlight and learn a little bit more. So the first one that we've done here is MS um, and there will be others coming up. So make sure that you stay tuned for those. Okay. So um, let me just see what is trending on social media today. So a lot of you have been sending me, there's two things that have been trending. One is actually a um, advert I don't know how many of you guys saw this one or not, but this one is a real estate agent who has posted an advert saying attention foreign buyers. And I think most of you stopped reading 
right then and there when you saw that, because people were sending it to me left, right, and center going, what, Sandy, what is this? I don't know. Somebody said, oh, it's Nikki again. I don't even know who Nikki is, but I guess she's found herself in some hot water before for the way in which she words ads. Uh, Nikki Thomas, she works at uh, EV Real Estate. No clue who they are, but Cayman has more real estate companies than anything, I swear. But anyway, um, so yes, this... (laughs) This advert has a lot of people, quite honestly, um, a bit perturbed. And um, I, I, I'm confused about why you'd even put out an ad like this because, you know, you've got people, Caymanians, um, both native Caymanians and people who, you know, have been here forever and have status who might want to purchase one of your properties. I feel like you're actually limiting yourself when you say something like um, attention foreign buyers, you know, we're here ready and willing to take your money, probably the better position to take is attention all buyers. I mean, foreign or otherwise, Nikki, Um, people have money that they are willing to spend and um, it shouldn't matter, you know, where they're from. But I think what ends up happening is when you start out your advert by saying attention foreign buyers, you end up kind of putting people off. And so this is what exactly has happened with this ad. It's been trending. Uh, People have been saying, what is wrong with Nikki and others like her? Um, I don't know who the heck Nikki is. I couldn't tell you anything about Nikki. But the one word of advice that I'd probably give to Nikki is, be a bit more cognizant of how you are wording your ads. You know, we talk about discrimination in ads here all the time. Um, Lots of employment ads are discriminatory and there still seems to be no legislation against that type of job advert, which there should be. Even housing and rentals, people will explicitly say that they have a preference for um, a particular you know, type of individual. And you can't really do that. But I guess if there's no law against it, there will be people who will um, do it, you know, anyway. But it's just good common sense and probably good professional practice not to make it so obvious because then people go, hmm, foreign buyers. And then she goes on to to say, visiting the beautiful Cayman Islands and don't want to leave? Okay. Um, you know, there are Caymanians who have been advocating for things like, um, you know, restrictions on who can own property. So when they see, um, an advert like this, they think to themselves, mm-hmm, this is a good reason why we should advocate to our politicians to only allow Caymanians to buy property. Now, I'm not of that particular mindset. I think what you do in a situation like this is you give Caymanians benefits like what this government has suggested, um, you know, encourage them to purchase multiple properties, create opportunities, uh, whether it's um, stamp duty waivers and so on, to encourage ownership. Uh, But this concept, again, that home ownership and certain properties are being marketed and sold to foreign investors and foreign buyers only 
I think is problematic. So, you know, she goes on to talk about how easy it is. There's no restrictions, no property, income or capital gains tax at a high return of investment and real estate as a whole is a stable investment and highly desirable for both local and international investors. But of course, she started out talking about attention foreign buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, she's having a pop in on Friday at this luxurious waterfront property in the Finn, going for a mere $3.25 million. Now, someone has just uh, sent me a message here on WhatsApp saying, Nikki's former jackass of the day for turning over the picture of Jesus during her showing. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Hmm. I remember Nikki. Yes. Uh, okay, well, I don't think that Nikki's going to probably care then, given that exchange, as I recall. Huh, okay. Uh, where does Nikki work? EV. Uh, there's so many real estates in Cayman. Real estate companies. EV Real Estate. Who's EV Real Estate? I don't even know who these people are. Um, Interesting. So Cameron says, do you think that they care for any advice from Caymanians? Um, probably not. Nikki probably doesn't care. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, oh, this is this is Engel and, and Volkers. Yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> interesting. Yes. Well, yes, I'm sure Nikki doesn't care. But there might be other people who are listening who actually do care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we do get a lot of um, expats who listen to the program and um, they tell me, they're like, you know, I'm interested in what's happening in the Cayman Islands and I want to learn, I want to know more. And I feel like you're kind of the go-to spot, especially in the morning hours, to learn a little bit more about um, the Caymanian way of life, really. And um you know, we're, we're not here to, to encourage division. We're here to encourage inclusion, but with the understanding really that it's supposed to be the Cayman Islands, which means that it's Caymanians first. And, um, you know, we are happy to include everyone in our success story. And I love when I see, for example, um, Philip Schlossstein with the, um, you know, I don't, I don't know him from the man in the moon, but I think he's done a wonderful job uh, for setting the tone for someone who has come here, who has seen what a beautiful set of islands these are, and wants to contribute in a meaningful way. And he's giving something back. He's not taking anything. He's like, you know what? I want to give something back to the community. I have the um, the financial means in which to do so. So, you know, he has done that. But I find that most people are, you know, I don't even know if I want to say most, but a lot of people are really just takers in life. They're all about taking, taking, taking. So um, I do see their um, their photo of their sales team here and on their website. Yes, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure, but now I see which real estate company this is. So um, I guess they just shorten it to EV. And, you know, I actually know Lonnie. He's the only Caribbean person in the group, I believe. <laughs> but there's there's their group photo. Um, Lonnie is amazing. And it's good to see one 
came out in face in the bunch of sales agents. Good for them. You got one. Uh, I don't know who any of these other people are, to be honest. But I would really uh, strongly suggest that organizations like um, EV, um, you know, uh, do a little course in, in Cayman culture and, and how to write ads that are inclusive. Um, here's another photo of their sales team um, that's inclusive and not seeking to be ex exclusive. Uh, oh. What is what does Leggy have to do with this? Oh God, Leggy Communications. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, encourage the inclusion. Oh, there's another Caymanian-ish looking face. I don't know who that person is. Um, but yes, I mean this Nikki person. Wow. Um, hmm. What a hot mess. Um, so someone says uh, this is. This is her partner, Michael Tracy. He's the developer of One Canal Point, Nikki's partner. Oh, okay. Michael Tracy. Uh-huh. <sighs> what a hot mess. Mm -mm. Um, someone says, hi, great show today. I want a bit of discretion right now. My input in the real estate ad, poor, and same style of advert for jobs being posted by recruiters. Focus and worded for overseas applicants and not someone on island. Thank you so much for that comment because the next thing I want to do is show you guys a job ad. Y'all aren't going to believe this one. I mean, I'm telling you that some days I literally shake my head in disbelief at how incredibly um, prejudicial people can be and discriminatory when they write these ads. Now have a look at this one. Lord have mercy. I can't make this stuff up. Look, yeah. Jobs in the Cayman Islands for foreigners. Excuse me? What did you just say? <laughs> Jobs in the Cayman Islands for foreigners? WTF, like for real? Huh? Okay, well, the irony of this is I don't know who owns this job um, it's called jobcart.org. And then I guess people can post jobs. So they have an entire section. I, I know you can't see the URL. Let me see if I can increase it a little bit. But there's an entire section in this URL that says job in the Cayman Islands for foreigners. So this particular job, the reason why someone sent this to me, is this is a job at the University College of the Cayman Islands. Not a word of lie, paying $5,000 to $7,000 per month for a marketing and communications manager. Wow. And this is a job in the Cayman Islands for foreigners? Are y'all crazy? <laughs> I mean, legit, what did I just read here? Uh, no, that should be a job for a Caymanian. The fact that they would have an entire segment of whatever this job cart website is that says jobs and it came down to foreigners to me is a little bit crazy. So this is the marketing and communications manager working with the director of admissions and registration, going to oversee uh, the various marketing functions, university and build relationships. Um, I guess that's the functions of the university and build relationships with internal and external stakeholders and the community at large. Mm-hmm. 
The post holder will enhance UCCI's brand through coordinating media coverage, sales, and marketing campaigns, um, events, digital marketing, UCCI TV, and all promotional materials. Okay, well, I don't know if this is the same position that they had that guy in who was convicted of um, child pornography, but I'm going to send this to the board of director who is, um, oh gosh, what's his name now? That would be Mr. Um, Oh Lord, somebody help me out here. I cannot even remember his name. Mm. Uh, Gilbert. Yes. Thank you, Magdalene. (laughs) That's exactly who I was trying to remember. So, um, Magdalene, let me messages to Mr. Gilbert, because I reckon he hasn't seen this. And so um, what I would encourage, however, is all Caymanians need to apply for this job. I don't care what this website says about um, jobs and the Cayman Islands of foreigners. Apply for the job. Okay. There has to be a, there has to be more than enough competent Caymanians who can fulfill a position of marketing and communications manager. Now, let's be honest, the the former president who is now no longer with the university um, was hiring a lot of her friends and importing a lot of labor when it wasn't necessary. And so in this instance, I'm going to actually go back on this URL and see what other jobs they have listed. In this instance, I could imagine that um, there were probably... um, you know, people who were being enticed from overseas. Not probably. We showed you the long list of people. Do you want a job? I already have a job, but thanks. So we have um, this particular job. Is there anything else that's listed by way of jobs? That's it? That's the only job? Hmm. So they've created this category just for the UCCI job. Say what? Remember now, UCCI had hired under her leadership individuals in positions and management positions who've never even stepped foot on this island at the time that we disclosed that information. I don't know if they're now here. But one of the reasons why the government had to find money to give to UCCI and reallocate it from other places is that they needed to carry out an entire HR audit because the, the, the mess of what was happening over at UCCI in relation to hiring of people and increasing salaries for all of these um, foreign workers that were being imported, when in some instances, Caymanians were actually doing the job for years and not getting any iota of a pay increase. So Jared wants to join the conversation this morning. Good morning, Jared. Good morning, Sandy. How are you today? Oh. I'm good. I, I'm good. I see you watching me in the background. Yes, I keep abreast with, with uh, okay, no matter. We just rock with it. Yeah. So, yes, you know, I, I noticed that they're promoting this job and the UCCI president's job is also up for grabs. So oh, good. Any... now is this job being advertised locally? I mean, I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm just wondering. I, I didn't hear anything about it to be honest with you. Hmm. I, I'm just knowing about this when you said, Oh, you know, they put jobs for here for foreigners. Anyways, yeah. you, you know what I hear from as you can probably tell by the tone in my voice, mm-hmm. you know, this is what happens when government doesn't work with synchronicity. Like mm-hmm. you say, we want to hire Caymanians, right? But then I don't know which 
individual has that up but and it's not even on the job portal if i probably go look on Kimon government website that yeah i was just thinking that you know why um, why why, yes. why are we lying okay that's accusatory why are we miscommunicating to Caymanians that we want to hire Caymanians, but we're not showing all the jobs that are there for Caymanians mm -hmm. because we do have qualified Caymanians. There should be no ifs or buts. I'm not trying to sideline anybody who has the qualifications, whether you're Caymanian or not. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that be equal about it. Be balanced. Mm -hmm. Don't do this one-off thing and then, you know, create and standardize that bias so that's um and you know please Caymanians, please apply for the ucci president's job mm. um we have a lot of educated Caymanians with a lot of obes and mbes and qualifications it would be nice if one of you all took it up um because we need a Caymanian to really mm take UCCI to that level. We've gotten somebody who's taken it to a level, which is quite good. We need somebody to take it um, to that global Caymanian standard as we are, because we are, as Caymanians, we are global. And I believe we we set the trend when it comes to education standards and, you know, because you see John Gray, you see Clifton Hunter, you see what the nursing school has done at UCCI. So there should be no question about if a Caymanian can't produce we can produce that's why a lot of people want to come to Cayman because we overproduce and so we need to pick up that overproduction slackage and have Caymanians fill it um to be honest but I'm not really happy about the the mark it's a marketing position correct or it's an admission yes it's um marketing communications manager and we don't have no Caymanians that can market even I like say I'd be down to take somebody from, you know, uh, you know those people who always market um, came on like the tourists to tourists, the ambassadors, the tourist ambassadors. I would want to take one to be honest, Mister, because nobody can market UCCI unless they're a Caymanian, unless you go to the educational system. How you how you going to market it? And and yes, you can learn about marketing practices and procedures and things like that. But mm -hmm. come on now, Miss Sandy. You get what I'm trying to say, Miss Sandy. There's yeah, there's I mean, listen, marketing is one of those things that if you understand the role of um, marketing, you can pretty much market anything. But I think your point being that no one can do it as good as a Caymanian who's probably passionate about the university um, would be, you know, the way to try to go with this. But hey, I mean, they know yes, they, they probably know what they need. So uh -huh. if they if they need that, and we have to come back and discuss a year and a half later after what we were trying to tell them not to do. Yeah. We can do that. And by the way, happy St. Patrick's. Patrick's Day. Oh, yes. To... I totally forgot. Didn't wear an ounce of green today until they mentioned it on the radio. But yes, happy St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this was um, a little bit disturbing. Uh, the other thing on social media that people kept sending me, I'm going to try to see if I can, um, I'm going to what's up this one to myself. So we've got discrimination in, 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 um, in the selling of property. 
okay, from yes. Nikki over there. We have discrimination in job searches, uh, both which seem to disenfranchise Caymanians. Uh -huh. And then somebody else sent me this question. Multiple people actually have sent me this one about gambling. And they yes. are saying, is gambling um, permitted in the Cayman Islands? And I said, no, it's not. Gambling not to the best of my knowledge. I didn't see no legislation. Or, so um, the reason why they were asking this particular question is that um, someone has, I'm trying to find it. Hold on one second. I guess the Marriott has put up something on their social media pages where like they're raffle, having probably a raffle and they put people's names in a box and they try to pull up the winner. Is that what they're talking about? No, they're having a poker night. Oh, are they? And ten dollars gets you in. Is that kind of gambling though? Is that gambling? That sounds like gambling to me. It, it does sound like you know, there's a lot of things that go on which really i am quite concerned about because why is the marriott which we all know allegedly does not support caymanians i'm not surprised that they're doing something like that um marriott is who again i don't even know who where that's the that's the but, i i I'm, i haven't heard good stories about marriott and no we, sorry we, this isn't Mar this isn't marriott this is moritz my apologies not marriott this is moritz moritz okay. so this is east end so this is owned by Caymanian. So I, I don't, don't know. I don't know anything about poker except when I see poker being played for money. Yeah. Normally that is gambling, right? That is yes, yes, that is gambling. That that's is gambling. A, well, that's this was gambling. sent to me multiple times from multiple people. So let me just show you what the ad is first. This is how it's worded. Moritz Tortuga Club Open Forum Group. Um, says poker night is Thursday. If anyone's interested, sign up in the lobby, $10 for buy-in Texas Holden sit and go winner takes all most you can lose is the $10 and you can win $10 times the number of players. Three seats are open. So I do know that the manager over at uh, Moritz before I stick this up on social media, I'm going to reach out to him because he has always been, um, very open with us. I know he's joined the program before and I'm sure maybe there's some kind of a logical explanation. I would like to hear it because it, you know what, it, oh, you know what the problem is, Miss Sandy? What the problem is to local Caymanians and what it feels like is, how is it that people who come, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have to go through no struggle, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't have to go, they come and woo, they get everything. That doesn't mean it's the same thing you said with the 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 learned doctor who recently resigned, who you met on the airplane. Yep. Mm-hmm. See him there. See him more. Mm. Was it's it's we're see we're seeing a lot of occurrences with this and the situation with with the people being able to buy land. That's the government's fault because government is doing that to generate money. We know work mm -hmm. permits is what government use to generate money. But when mm -hmm. are we going to use Caymanians to generate money? That's the question. That's that's the honest question I have for the premier. And he probably needs to answer that on mm -hmm. the next premier access. Because having young people come and talk to you in cabinet, that's good. It looks good. Mm -hmm. PR, votes, you get it, right? But what are we going to do collectively, right? As the ministers in there what are they going to do to start making came making a caymanian valuable because it doesn't it doesn't feel that way the whole situation with the beach it, it washed away why 
because government wanted all those hotels on that waterfront or the beach. Not saying it doesn't help anybody. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that the government has made a has made series of decisions. Cardinal Avenue is the next one, and I taking up issue with that one. That the right one today. You're blocking off all of Cardinal Avenue for what? Some tourists. When tourists wasn't your in Georgetown, West Bay, East and North Side, came and brought little came on. Who were the ones that were here pulling them hotels through? Caymanians. So I I really don't want to hear anything from them ministers. And you know, some that's the what beautiful thing about election. And I will be reminding people, remember election, you know, remember what mm-hmm. the politicians them do, the sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Yes, it coming, yeah, but a year, a year late, ain't going to cut it. I'm watching that. So you know when you had said, oh, you know, you just have to let them, you know, you see the report. I know you're watching them, Sandy. You're not going to see it, but I know you're watching them. Mm-hmm. I watch, I watching them too. I looking at their report card, and everybody is at a C plus right now. That's how I see it, you know, because they they, they might be better than previous people, but with well, with I I tell I tell you what. I mean, the sexual harassment law has actually been on the books. So I, I was surprised last night because I didn't even know personally that we had one, but yeah, I guess nobody's promoting that. I'm trying to educate people about that, but they're actually looking to amend it. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, what is the, 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 pro- the problem we... is the problem is this from a political perspective, right? When you have a government mm-hmm. that has been in as long as the progressives has been in and they've been in a minute and they've been doing a lot. Yeah. This government can't just go in and change everything, first of all, and they can't sure. reverse everything that the previous government has done. Mm-hmm. So we need to give them some latitude in terms Not too much, of, no, you know. No, 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 no. But you can't fix, when, when the streets of Rome are broken down yeah. and the little yeah. cobble streets need to be replaced and they're broken or whatever, that isn't something that can happen overnight. And a lot of our issues that we are experiencing are deep-seated issues. Yeah. Why someone thinks that they can put up a segment on a website, you know, about foreign nationals working in the Cayman Islands. Why... Nikki Thomas from Engel and whatever can, you know, think that it's okay to write a job ad that says, oh, foreign investors, you know, explicitly. Um, She's not even creative enough to write it in a way that it could still be attracting foreign investors. But, you know, she just puts it out there, you know, words that like it's so easy to come to the Cayman Islands. Those are the types of things that in my mind uh, didn't happen overnight. We didn't create or invite people like Nikki in overnight. Mm -hmm. And so it's also going to take a minute to fix those situations as well. That's true, but you know, and we've got to start weeding some people out. There's some people who genuinely do not deserve to be here sharing in our success story. And there are people that we need to be embracing. You know, someone was, was cussing dart yesterday and they said to me, Sandy, what do you think? And I said, well, um, I try to be as balanced as I can in a lot of things that I say. I really, really do, right? And so when I think of the DART organization as a whole, I say, here's an individual who has invested a lot of money in this country. Now, that investment doesn't mean you can come and do whatever you want. You can't break the laws. You just have to follow the laws. You just have to adhere to, you know, but at the same time, he has also demonstrated, when I say he, it's a DART organization, has also demonstrated a commitment to this country. They can't just pick up Kimana Bay and leave. They can't pick up the Ritz he's, and leave. He's invested. They can't pick up he's the invested. Right. So he is someone who has invested an extraordinary amount of money in this country. 
And that has created jobs and opportunities. Now, do we want more equity in those jobs and opportunities? Yes. Absolutely. Do we need more equity in and those jobs? And we are jobs? pushing for those things, right? Mm -hmm. We are having dialogues with them where we're saying, hmm, you know, you need to really look at what people are saying about your organization. Is there any truth to it? Maybe there's a reason why people don't actually like Mark from the Ritz. Uh <laughs> You know, you got to you got to do some real things with a genuineness to try to um, have the people that came out understand this is our success story. And we're happy for, you know, investors like the darts of the world to come in and spend. At this point, probably close to billions of dollars in this economy, because that creates opportunities for everyone. But those opportunities have to be for Caymanians first and everybody else like Caymanians prosper and we grow everyone benefits exactly when you but when you hold down locals when you hold down Caymanians and they're not doing well in the end no one will benefit for that from that type of a situation because that will create a divisiveness in this country that nobody wants but it's, so i'm it's, like you know at some level really we should be all on the same page but what we see happening is that a lot of people want to come here they and run get, amok. The, you know the, they they want everything they believe that this island was designed is and built for them the, the problem is in the Sunday is that when people come, they don't try to understand the culture. If 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 foreigners want to prove their worth, tell me tell me about a catboat, tell me about a schooner, tell me the people them Caymanians who 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 went overseas and captain ships, because the problem is and it's already here and it, and Caymanians are very frustrated. The divisiveness is here, and I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying it's already you can feel the tension, Miss Sunday. Right, and only God knows when it's going to burst because mm -hmm. people we, we feel it. The problem is people come, they don't understand the culture. They try to understand the culture eight years into their PR. Hopefully, they would have garnered something, but usually people just keep to their factions and groups and their poker clubs and whatever. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that you know, you know, there's a popular saying, it's a Caymanian saying, and you probably know the saying. A promise is a comfort to a fool. Mm. Do I believe politicians will bring heaven to Cayman? No. Do I think politicians are perfect? No. And I and I will vote them out. <laughs> and so I, I, I know I'm being a bit harsh, but as a young person, Miss Sandy, yeah. you know, we, we tend to young people tend but to I, want I think there's faster. a certain degree of realism as well about what, what politicians can and can't do. And this is where perhaps politicians are happy to overpromise, uh, you know, the people about fixing all their problems. But there's a lot of problems and issues that we have that have nothing to do with yeah. politicians. We need to start with ourselves, first and foremost, as I always say on this program. But we are into overtime. And I actually was just reminded I've got a dental appointment this morning, folks. Yeah. So I've got to get on that. But Sue, um, just address Sue's comment really quick. Sue says that Dart messed up Cayman Beaches. Just look at Royal Palms. We lost so much where, um, what were the tunnels for? Well, um, I don't know that the tunnels have anything to do with the beaches, but what I will say is Dart recently acquired Royal Palms a couple of years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. So how did he destroy Royal Palms? No, the, Royal Palms the beach at Royal Palms has been long, long uh, lost. lost. And he's probably and, trying and to renovate it. It was done 
30, 40 years ago, Sue, before DART was even here, yeah. when successive governments way before these present guys are in, were allowing people to build so close to the shoreline. That's who destroyed Royal Palms and that's who destroyed the beach. So I think you gotta be careful when you wanna blame DART for everything under the sun because the destruction of the beaches can't be put at the foot of the DART organization or probably any singular developer put it on the on the foots of the Caymanian people who have allowed that little sliver of quote unquote seven mile beach, which isn't has never been seven miles, um, five point whatever miles it is, right? Put that at the foot of the people who allowed these structures that have been there for 30, 40 years to be built so close to the shoreline, like right on the beach. There's no setbacks or anything of the sort. And nature will take its course. And so now nature is taking its course on the beach and it's redesigning the beach for us. And we're all shocked at this. And this again comes down to a bit of education. People need to understand. I understand in other jurisdictions, um, you know, you're not allowed to build anywhere near the beach like that. If you want to go to the beach, you've got your condo and you better walk all the way down to get to the water. Michael says uh, the Kirkernels actually built Royal Ponds. I don't know if they did or not, but the Kirkernels are Caymanians. So again, sometimes we need to look um, at our, historically, our own people and how our own people have pillaged and stole and, you know, not stealing and, and like taking what they wanted in a business sense and built things without, without any consideration whatsoever for the environment. Caymanians are famous for not thinking about environmental implications at all. We go yeah. out there and we overfish. That's why they've had to create a lobster season and a cup yeah, season. Cut off and then look at the people, Miss um, Sue, who are being caught every single time we go out in the waters. Uh, who is it that's actually being caught for taking conch out of season, for taking lobster, for taking this exorbitant amount? Guess who they are? They're Caymanians. Yeah. Born, bred, multi-generational Caymanians, often with last names that we well recognize, the Ebankses, the Powells, the this, the that. It's not the darts of the world who are doing that kind of foolishness. I'm just saying, yeah. not want lobster for his restaurants. He can bring them in from some other jurisdiction that doesn't have a conquer lobster season or whatever. It's our people. Like at some point we have to take responsibility for the mess that we have created. And even if it's, you know, you said, oh, well, an expat's doing this, that we have allowed people to create. But a lot of this comes down to folks' financial greed. We've been greedy for a long time. We've been busting at the Sims of tourism. Oh, there's no end to tourism. Yeah, just have that, a million people come every month and we just keep piling it on. That, that way, not understand that, that a thing. Because, you know, when before COVID, Miss Sunday. Every year the numbers would go up. So I said we don't have a cap, we don't got a quarter. Nope. We don't have we, we don't have our, a, our we don't aim have... has always been more, more. But that's more. not good. Look Taxi at Jamaica. Taxi drivers want more. Look at Jamaica. The tour boat operators want more. Everybody wants more but Mother Nature. Look, poor Stingray City. The poor Stingrays <laughs> were sick and tired of more. The, <laughs> the starfish, which y'all continue to touch and feel up. They, they rejuvenated themselves during COVID. Now, you know, they soon disappear again because y'all keep pulling them out of the water, taking photos of them, touching you them. Know, you should even be touching starfish. You know, the sharks start coming back. starfish um, point is so ambiguous that you read it and it's like, oh, don't take it. And people are like, oh, does that mean I can't put it in my handbag and walk away with it? 
No, that means you don't take it out of the water at all. And in fact, the real message should be do not touch them. Get yourself an underwater camera and take a little picture of it under the water. Put your head underwater and take a photo in that way. Leave the starfish alone. But no, our motto is take more, take more, take more, take more, because we somehow believe that Mother Earth has no limits. Right? So Bonnie says, what about the Filipinos taking away the young fish? Okay. Well, what about the Caymanians who are taking away the young fish? What about <laughs> but, the Caymanians who are taking the lobster out of season, who are taking kunk out of season, and who do it all the time? It's not right for anybody to do it. Yeah, so we shouldn't play the where, blame game. Listen, really. I'm all about Caymanians first, yeah. but I think when it comes to accountability, it should be Caymanians first too. We That's want true. to blame everybody else for our problems, and yet we don't even lead by example. Some of the biggest offenders in employment and hiring are Caymanians. They're the ones who are hiring the foreign workers that y'all complaining about. Accountability, Caymanians first with accountability as well. It's, it's easy to point the finger at True. others. It's easy to point the finger at the expat population. And I'm not saying that they're perfect and you know whatever. There are issues there that we address here all the time. But I think where we need to start is looking at how we continually contribute to the problem. So whether you are an HR manager who works for an organization, whether they're Caymanian-owned, a foreign-owned, or whatever, that continually hires foreign nationals and supports that type of narrative, instead of telling your management team, well, we have qualified Caymanians. We have Caymanian applicants who have applied, and here are their resumes. And I can vouch they have worked and they're hardworking individuals. You know, they do all the things that they're supposed to do. Let's give a Caymanian an opportunity. Whether you are a Caymanian fisherman or a taxi driver who's out there thinking that more is better, you need to start reevaluating all of these, you know, just thought processes that over the years we have bought into. This is this is the truth. Where is the accountability? We're going to hold our politicians accountable, as Jared said. I have no problems with that. Yes, hold them accountable. But most of y'all want to hold people accountable, and you're not even accountable your damn selves. You're not accountable in your personal lives. You're not accountable in your businesses. You're not accountable at any level. You're the ones out there breaking the traffic laws, causing traffic accidents every day, right? You hit somebody's car in a parking lot and you're not even accountable enough to say, oops, I've made a mistake. Let me stop and do the right thing. Leave my phone number. You're leaving it up to somebody to message CMR and say, look, look, yeah, I just took this photo of this person doing this, this, and this. Teach your children to stop stealing from people when they go and work on the jobs. There's a lot of accountability, and it's funny because Alice saying accountability is the word of the day. It's the word of the century, and I don't have a problem with that. There's a lot of accountability to go around, but why don't we look at the man in the mirror? Why don't we start with ourselves first and foremost? I'm just asking a question, but I got to go to the dentist here in a minute. So the ugly truth says uh, no need to put our foot down and stop allowing everything being taken from the sea. So we need to. Every day, people that live on that West Bay Strip along the canals are posting pics of their lobster haul. But it's not just them. The ugly truth. 
Um, some of those people who taken it, they're not going to post their picks because they came out and this might be that stupid, but they're still taking a haul above uh, what should be permissible and what is permissible. I sit in court all the time and I hear the bullshit. Let me uh, let me tell y'all a story about Caymanians, right? And how sometimes, and they be looking at me trying to get me to buy in their shenanigans. And I'm just like, yo, I'm not the right person for it. I, I, I listen, I don't care if you're Caymanian. I'm, I'm not gonna give you wrong if, if, you're, if you're wrong. I mean, I'm not gonna give you right if you're wrong, right? So listen to this, Jared. I see Jared just stepped out, Jared. Like, oh, this conversation getting too hot for me. So I was in court about a week and a half ago. Maybe it was, I don't think it was last week. I think it was the week before. But anyway, there was um, a guy there in court. Jared, you're still listening? I want you to hear this one. Yeah, let's There was go. a guy there in court who um, they have like the seating in the outside of court one and two, right? So that, because there's still COVID restrictions in place. So there's only so many people allowed to sit in the usual um, galley and whatever. So I'm walking by, he's like, oh, Miss Sandy, everybody wants to say hi to me, child, because they're hoping I don't come and listen to their cases, right? So he said, oh, Miss Sandy, I'm in court. And I said, oh, yeah, what are you here for? Mm-hmm. Um, because I I took I took two parrots for my little boy. I want to give my boy two parrots. And I said, two parrots? Came on parrots? And he's like, yeah, I just lick them down and take them. And I'm like, uh, look, yeah, you know that that's against the law, right? And this is when we talk about the environment. And how Caymanians, y'all want to be environmentalists now, but I don't know who y'all are trying to fool because Caymanians traditionally have not been environmentalists, not at all. And he's like, yeah, but you know, this is our, this is our culture, this is our tradition. And I said, mm-hmm. I said, well, it's also our culture and tradition to overfish and to take lobster out of an abundance when the little lobsters are getting so tiny and so small now you can barely take two bites and a tail finish. So I said, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you um, may have done that, but I'm going to tell you that it is wrong. And it's, I'm glad that you're in court because you need to learn lesson. Then he said, um, you know, they were kind of discussing them on themselves. Oh yeah, they're taking our culture away. They don't want us taking parrots, blah, blah, blah. But who doesn't know in this day and age that you are not supposed to take parrots anymore. Cayman parrots are an endangered species. Leave the damn parrots alone. They went through this whole registration exercise where if you have one in captivity, fine. You get to keep it until that poor parrot dies. Register the parrot, right? So we know how many we have in captivity. And then no more. We put a stop to it. So who 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 doesn't know that? Y'all talking about your Caymanians? Well, you should know that in the Cayman Islands, we no longer take parrots. And oh, this is part of our culture. That's the excuse. It's part of her culture. And, you know, it's acceptable because it's part of her culture. Well, let me tell you all something. Molesting children has been part of the culture here in this country, too, for a lot of people. Uh, going after little teenage girls who walking up and down the strip there on Walker's Road, who are definitely not legal. Y'all big hardback men driving up and down, looking at them and oodling at them. That has been acceptable for a really long time. You could argue that's part of the culture doesn't make it right. And so when this guy starts asking me about the parrot, I was like, uh, no, you're wrong. And I'm not about to give you right. And yeah, you know, you, you know, you're right. You're, you're right. You know, you're right, Miss Sandy. Yeah, that way I can just pay the fine. Your, your ass should have been going to jail for a couple of days to teach you a real lesson. But yes, pay the fine and have nothing else to say for it because I'm not putting up with the nonsense. You know, if you know it's wrong and you do it and you get caught, then just deal with the consequences. 
But don't be passing me in court and trying to get me into your argument. Oh, this is part of our culture. This is what being a Caymanian is. Uh, no, that's not the part of our culture that I'm about. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what y'all talking about. Right? But this goes back again to this concept of accountability and how we have been destroying the environment for far too long. But yet we want to blame Johnny come lately. Yes, Filipinos come here and they start to fish from the shores and they might be taking um, stingrays and filleting them and whatever. That isn't acceptable, but it's also, it also isn't acceptable what Caymanians have been doing from time. You can't give one right and one wrong. Okay. So on that note, uh, Cameron says I should reschedule my traffic, traffic, my dental appointment. No, honey child. It takes forever to get a dental appointment in this day and age. And uh, this is just a cleaning today, but no. Um, they all, Cameron also says, I know you're an advocate for vaccines, but tell me what, tell me the threat an unvaccinated person has to anybody to justify them being denied employment. Well, I think we we probably beat this topic. I would have thought this horse to death by now. But um, Cameron, there will be employers who will have all sorts of stipulations and standards in place, just like your kids have to be fully vaccinated with every other vaccine in the world when they go to schools. Um, I don't see how the COVID vaccine, quite frankly, is any different. And if your employer says, because once you come in there and you know you get seriously sick and they're dying, that's going to impact their insurance policies, et cetera, et cetera. I can't argue if they say, you know what, we want people in our uh, employment to be vaccinated. If they're not, we're going to have certain restrictions in place. It is what it is. And guess what? There are plenty other people out there who do not have that requirement. So simply seek an employer who doesn't care about your vaccination status. But if it's a prerequisite to employment, I'm not going to argue with that because I can see the logic for more reason than one as to why that could actually be the case. Vaccinated people, we just had two more people die. Yes, they were older, comorbidities, whatever, unvaccinated. The vast majority of people who have died from COVID in this country, 23 people, the vast majority have been unvaccinated. The facts are there. The threat is, let, let's break it down to straight finances and nothing else. You go in there, you catch COVID on their dime, and you become seriously ill and die because you're not vaccinated. That's an expense that's going to make their insurance policy go through the roof. And if it's a small company, I don't know how much you understand from an employer's perspective about what insurance can cost you, but you would really, really be surprised. And they don't want the risk. They don't want to take it on. I can appreciate that if for no other reason than just the illness component, the severe illness and death component. I, I totally get it. But guess what? Vaccinated people are still less likely to get it. Although that has been reduced because of the Omicron variant, they're still less likely to get it as well. It's a criteria of the job. So I don't know what to tell you, Cameron. On that one, you're not going to win any points with me. Sorry. Jared, have a beautiful day. Get out there, work hard, folks. Do you, do what you gotta do. You know the drill already. Um, the risk is increased uh, insurance costs for all of us, which by the way, uh, as you guys know, the feds have increased um, the interest rate and it is going to increase at least six more times for the year. And it's only March, folks. CNB, well, all I can say about CNB is at least they gave you two days notice. 
that it's coming. Nobody else is going to give you any notice. CNB at least is on their notice. <laughs> They're on their notices. They always do. I've noticed CNB for years. Um, even before CMR was around, they were always the first to put their notices in the compass and the newspaper. And they try to give you at least a couple days notice, if not more. Everybody else says, oh, as of today, it's changing. What a hot mess. So it's going from 3.25 to 3.5% effective March 18th. Now, interestingly enough, for me personally, we had uh, just last month, I just signed the documents again. We had come out of, um, we'd had a fixed rate, which we took advantage of um, during the COVID pandemic. And I was like, mm, yeah, the, you know, things have been going well, blah, blah. Uh, let go of the fixed rate and here we are. Now it's going to be going up. But we are on a, um, I don't know what to call this. This is, this is a very tight financial time for my family and I, because we are going on a very restrictive, uh, regimented program to try and pay off our mortgage as quickly as possible. So if y'all don't see me going out eating and drinking and doing certain things, you know why. Because every dollar is being prioritized and every dollar is going to count in a really, really big way. My husband's like, do we need to spend this right now? Put that on the mortgage. Put that as an extra payment. We got $5, put it as an extra payment on the mortgage. Because the quicker we can alleviate ourselves of the stress of a mortgage at all, at least have one property that's mortgage-free. Amen and hallelujah. So that's the goal, is to try to come out of a mortgage as soon as possible. And then we can look at other things. You know, if we want to acquire a second piece of property or um, commercial real estate or whatever, but child, mm, mm, mm. can you imagine not having to pay a mortgage? Oh my God. The dream is there. And now we have to make it a reality by focusing every single day on our daily actions. Every action makes a difference. So, you know, y'all know I love my over, overnight oats from the Ritz, but I haven't had any this week. So for breakfast this morning, I've had half an apple so far. I'm going to finish that apple and I'm going to be satisfied with that apple. Now, next week, I might go back to getting one or two overnight oats, but controlling the purse strings, folks, is uh, not easy. And we all have to make sacrifices along the way. All right. So have a beautiful day. Tomorrow's Friday, um, the 18th. I think I might actually do. They're having a press conference, which is a pre-recorded press conference. I don't even know what the hell that means, but um, no, can't go live with recording. That doesn't make any sense. Of course, you can go live with the recording, but whatever. Uh, this is um, the government communications people. They said, I said, so it's recorded. So there's no need to be live for recording. And no, we can't go live with recording. Okay, so we won't be live. But anyway, whatever. We'll play that for you. And um it will be at 1 p.m. So it's going to be Premier Panton and Minister Turner um, talking about COVID regulations. So some changes, again, to the COVID regulations. So COVID is resurging all over the world, including Europe, uh, China, of course. And it is what it is, folks. We'll continue to try to live with this um, hot mess called COVID as best as we can, really. So you guys have a fantastic day. I think I might start tomorrow's show out in the garden. Like literally, I'm going to be out in the garden. And then I'll come inside once I get hot. But yes, I think I'm going to use my phone and set it up. We were start a little garden segment. Maybe I'll, I'll put some tea on. We'll have some nice tea. 
I want to walk you guys through the garden and show you all the scallions and everything else that we've been growing in the garden again, you know, offsetting that uh, food bill just a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think we'll do that tomorrow. Anyway, you guys have a fabulous day and I am off to the dentist. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the cold, hard truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.